0: the world is changing and every counterterrorism professional i speak to in the federal government and overseas feels like we are at the doorstep of another 9/11 maybe not something that catastrophic in terms of the visual or the um uh, the numbers but that we can see it building and we don't quite know how to how to stop it Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, February 17th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Kind of rough start there. Sorry for the delay for those that had to wait. Just to give you a quick insight of what just happened and why there was a short delay, I was actually at my home location. Which I was getting ready to get set up, we were ready to go, and because there's a big stormy situation happening here in Tennessee. And the moment that I hit start, initiated the show, which usually is about a 30 minute time frame for me to share, I lost all my internet, like immediately. And I checked with my neighbor, he was fine. So I jumped in my car and I raced over to the the office, which just so happens to be reasonably close, and that's why I pushed it out 15 minutes, and here we are. Now, I'm never asking anybody to just take it face value that these things are in fact happening to me. They are, but I never expect you guys to just believe that. But even if it's not hard to believe that there are internet issues, I believe there's something more happening. But regardless, as I always say, this is the kind of world they are building. They'd love to have the power, and we know that they do, and that's my point, to be able to just kind of pull that plug, pull the rug out from under you. I keep noticing this weird situation where it doesn't seem to affect those around me and so on. And again, it could just be a glitch. But I just want us to always think about how that's what is being built right now. We're not going to get into that today, or at least on this part of the show. I'm going to be doing a focus on Ukraine today. That was my focus, the entire show. And this part of it is going to be on what just happened this morning and how it's it's important to understand the context, the nuance, and the history behind this topic for, I would argue, most Americans that probably don't know, whether it's Crimea, the 2014 regime change effort from the United States, the, the separatist situation that's been happening since, and how this is all being manipulated. And we're going to go into this you know, for not incredibly deep on a lot of it, but just to give people an understanding of how this all works together. And why, as you can see from my title, that when we come to the discussion of what just happened today, early this morning, or rather being reported early this morning, which is supposedly a kindergarten, either, which which is kind of funny when you break down the situation, hopefully, well, it seems nobody was hurt. So I was going to say funny aside from that, but where you got one side essentially saying that they bombed the kindergarten and they're trying to use it against us. The other side saying, no, 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 they bombed our kindergarten and they're using it against us. That's why I use that picture, right? Perfect picture, pointing it that way, this way. And, and one of them could be telling the truth, but we have to think also that both of them could also be lying. Like, let's not just assume that somebody's the honest one here. I'm also trying to factor in whether or not this is some larger agenda that's covering up other things. Now, I wanted to say that we, I'm, simply because of the censorship that I feel happened a moment ago. I'm going to make sure I get done with this and do a COVID-focused show to some degree. I have so much stuff that I was going to include. That's why I broke this off, and I was hoping to get to that today, but I'm going to make it happen now Some to some degree. We'll do something after this. So tune in over the next couple of hours after the show is done, and I'll be focusing back again with some other stuff. But for those looking for the COVID discussion that will be later, this is going to be focused on what's happening in foreign policy, specifically Ukraine, Russia, and that conversation. Now, it's important to understand, as we have always shown, there is an overlap here, and as I, that's why I played that clip in the beginning, and I will reference some of the other shows I just recently did in regard to the threat that they're building, in my opinion. We're going to go over this again today with the to focus more about how it's the PSYOP that's taking place, not so much how it ties back to COVID and the new 9-11 that they seem to be building, but I want us to think about that. The white supremacist threat, the domestic terrorism focus in this country, and how that ties back to the overtly, openly white supremacist neo-Nazi governments in Ukraine that they don't want you to talk about unless it's in the context of how it's a dangerous thing that we're trying to fight kind of over here. Except now when it's in the context of fighting against Russia, they don't want you to look at that part of it. Because in fact, you'll find out they've been funding, arming, supporting, moving, just like we saw in Syria, the very people that they don't want you to look at in Ukraine. I believe that's something bigger that's happening, a building of the new threat that they're going to use as this goes forward, sort of like we saw develop in Syria and the way they still use to this day. Does that mean that Ukraine will be the next invasion sort of situation like we saw with Syria? I ultimately don't know. But we do know that the threat that they built there is being used in places much larger than just Syria. But today is going to be focused on the kindergarten's conversation about what really happened there, the history behind the buildup to this discussion, and how I think they just bungled the entire thing. I, I honestly wonder whether they even fully understand what false flag really means. And I know that they do, but you'll see what I mean when we get into this, how it's really embarrassing how they're claiming it's a false, that's the false flag. And I'm like, wait a minute, how is it a false flag if it's over here and you're claiming they bu-? We'll get into it. And it's pretty ridiculous, but it doesn't matter. It's just narrative. False flag, Russia, bad guy, as they stand in their country and everybody encircles them in their country and they go, look, at, look, at they just moved people in their country. It's pretty ridiculous. But let's start off today with, a kind of wrap up of what we talked about yesterday, the building up into where we are now. And how it's been just an ongoing, ridiculous theater of the absurd saying things without evidence. I mean, this is just evidence free claim after evidence free claim. Now, you can it doesn't necessarily mean those things are false. But of course, if if Russia says something without proving it, well, how can we take them at face value? But of course, when the US government says something at face value, how dare you question them, you un-American per? This is how it goes. But really, if you're an honest person who actually cares about the truth, you would question both sides, which is what an honest person would do, and question the validity of their claims all the time. Right now, we have seen one after another of evidence-free claims about what they claim they're doing. But realize even the things they claim they're doing are happening within the borders of Russia nothing that they're at least that they're pointing at and claiming and bleeding and screaming about that. This is all going to come down in a massive war has happened outside of Russia in regard to Russian movements. Now, I don't know why in anyone, in any sense that that makes sense to people that we would pretend that their movements within their own country is, is justifiable of the actions we've seen. But even if you want to pretend that's the case, we have to be clear about how every single action has been, has begun with U.S. and other allies of the U.S. and NATO allies building and doing drills and things all around the border of Russia. And we, are we really going to pretend that that's not justifiable to move troops toward a border when you have your enemies producing and carrying out drills with the end, the, the drills focus being the overthrow of Russia? I mean, come on, guys. Now, if you don't believe what I just said, just rattling off the beginning here, stay tuned. You'll see it all. It's not hard to believe. It's not hard to understand. But you just don't get this all when you watch the talking points from the mainstream media. Let's start off. Dave Smith, the comedian, Russia's withdrawing troops from Ukrainian border, an obvious sign that an invasion is imminent. <laughs> He's being facetious, obviously. This is February 15th. Now, obviously, the counter-narrative is, no, they're not. They, in fact, put more on the border. Now, is that true? Could be. I wouldn't surprise me at all. I don't take anything at face value from either side of these. They'll always lie about the other side, sort of like when you have an attack on a country and you want to lie about what happened because you don't want to look like your defenses didn't pick it up. So you pretend it didn't do any damage. The other side pretends it did all sorts of damage. It's probably somewhere in the middle, right? It's always like that. All sides are always dishonest as it's advantageous for them and their agendas. So here we have the argument that Ukraine or rather Russia pulled back its troops. By the way, we're talking about inside of its own country and pulling them back further with inside its own country. That's what that means. Oh, you know, it's just crazy that that's the argument. But the point being that they say no, they move more troops up. But there's been a lot of reports about pulling back. Now, David jumps in and says they're just pulling back so they can get a good amount of momentum when they come running at them. (laughs) They're just making fun of how ridiculous this is. Because, again, inside their own country, moving backward and forward. That's the extent of what we're talking about. And it's all from this point forward or before this to now been zero evidence to back it up. So we don't even know for sure that that is in fact what's happening. They've got images and videos of different things of troops. Sure. Now, can we just can we pretend that can we prove that that was 100,000 or 175,000 or whatever they're claiming? No, they haven't even tried to prove these things. So last but the other point is simply that remember over and over and over and over at least 15 times. Long before this was believed in the mainstream media, there's been months this has been happening, up until the culmination of the most ridiculous one where they say US intelligence claims, because we know how often the US intelligence pans out exactly like they say, almost never, is set to invade Ukraine at 1 a.m. tomorrow. That was supposed to be yesterday. Didn't happen, though. Shocking, I know. Can you believe it? Oh, and of course, now it just randomly says 200,000 now. Is it 100, 200, is it 175? Doesn't even matter. There's no effort to prove these things. It all just is. U.S. says, therefore, fact, report. That's what journalism is, right? To blindly regurgitate what your government tells you to say? Well, apparently to these people it is because there's not even there's, they, they don't even try to question this. And we'll get to this in a minute. People like the Daily Beast just unabashedly just the kindergarten was full of kids and they attacked it. So they said. That doesn't even say sources say. That doesn't say comma U.S. claims. It just says this was what happened. But you'll quickly find out this kindergarten conversation is just basically information, not even basically, it is information being handed to everybody from Ukrainian intelligence. You know, the openly white supremacist neo-Nazi group that your government supports that has a thousand reasons why we should question them, including what your own government has said about them in the past. But here we are taking their claims at face value. I've made this clear yesterday. We'll get into this more as we go through it. But just recognize how your mainstream media, no problem taking their claims at face value with any due diligence or without any due diligence. So bringing this forward after we realize they've said over and over and over it was about to happen, it continues to not happen. And our claim will only ever quietly be that, well, he heard us and so he pulled, he recognized we knew his plans and so he didn't do it which is exactly like the thing they used to make fun of in regard to the Syrian conversation and the false flags of that conversation and how it was exactly in reverse and they acted like the very idea of it. Not that it wasn't po- they The simple idea that it was possible was absolutely lunacy. That's why Matt Lee called Ned Price... Alex Jones territory when he discussed this, because he said, you guys dismiss this as a very concept, but now it's okay to point at Russia and say they do it, though, <laughs> even though we just pretended like that's not even on the table as a possibility when we discuss it elsewhere. How about that U.S. intelligence, huh? It's almost like they just keep making up self-serving intelligence to support a narrative and agendas. But no, that would never happen. Hashtag WMDs. So bringing this over, just a quick rattle off what we're going to go into today. Ukraine crisis, kindergarten, hit by pro-Russian forces, says U.S. intelligence, Moscow, uh, accusing Moscow, and this is actually the UK intelligence or UK apparatus, saying Moscow's taking or conducting a blatant false flag. Okay, so they're claiming this is in a place inside of Ukraine, right? A Ukrainian school, we'll get into it more, where Russia has attacked this. And they're claiming that is a, a, a false flag, a blatant, in fact, false flag. Do they understand what false flag means? Like, if this was somehow, like, okay, the only way this would even remotely make sense as a false flag is is if they tried to claim that Ukraine themselves attacked this location, right? Because if it's Russia attacking something in Ukraine, how in the world would that be a false flag, and how would that then be used as justification for Russia to push into Ukraine? You get what I'm saying? They don't fully wrap, I don't think they understand what they're saying, because they're just going along with narrative. It's a false flag and crisis stuff, and they're, Russia's lying, okay? Well, how does this constitute a false flag if it's a school inside Ukraine that Russia, you claim, just attacked? Russia's claiming they didn't do it, but you see what I mean? There's no false flag idea. Here's an example of a false flag. Russia attacks, let's say, a protest inside Ukraine and claims Ukraine is the one that bombed it. Now, you see, that's not what's happening here. There's a reverse of the narrative we'll get to, but that's, that's in fact the other way around, where they're claiming Ukraine attacked a school in another location, but it's a Russian one. Or rather, a Russian separatist location, but we'll get into that more, too. But the point, nonetheless, is that this is not even remotely, any way you spin it, a false flag. You see what I'm saying? Like, this is embarrassing. I think they they just completely screwed this up because they don't realize, or maybe they took advantage of something they didn't realize. I don't know. I'm not going to try to speculate about their malfeasance and their ignorance and their bungling politician mentality, (laughs) but... It's pretty ridiculous. We'll get into this more and we'll talk about it here. We have Russia saying the opposite, or rather the separatists saying in the Republic saying, no, this is not what happened. They fired. We tried to defend ourselves and they attacked the school. Okay, right? So just to be clear, it's going both ways. It's going, one side says, no, they did this. The other side, no, they did that. We should should doubt both of them. We should doubt both of them until one of them gives you evidence to back up what they're saying. And you'll put, you look through, if you take a 30 second dance into history and find out that your government never does that. Ever. Okay. Now, here is the other part of it. This says, and here's the, by the way, the video of the school of the exact same room. Just so we're clear, this is, in fact, the exact same room. And we'll get into that location and everything. We found the location. We found the actual picture. We found the actual place. And you can see this, it's the exact same place. This is not that this was too secretive. There's one article that actually talked about the location. I'm curious to see if people can find out if this actually did happen in this location because that doesn't seem to be the focus of the mainstream media. But you can see the room here, right? So here's the same room in a video they're talking about. And it says pro-Russian forces, Russian special forces in the Luhansk area. This is, you know, the separatist locations we're talking about, one of the two. And they're saying that those forces, pro-Russian forces, the separatists, targeted this kindergarten. Ukrainians also claim Russians have targeted their kindergarten. Okay, so it's the same location. so one of them's lying. now clearly this is the location you will be able to see is inside of the Ukraine inside of Ukraine. So there's a little bit of a mix up on this story here. Either way, you'll find out that there's no possible way it's a false flag if what they're telling you is what happened. One side's just lying about this and it seems based on bas- basic evidence if you're looking at the picture, if that is in fact the area we're talking about and this is the treat is accurate, that the separatists seem to be making this up if that's the just bl- first glance, Either way, it seems that the governments, UK, US, and otherwise, are completely bungling this in regard to trying to make it a false flag. Boris Johnson says the kindergarten attack in Ukraine was a false flag operation. See? Russia says they're pulling back more troops despite US claims. Now, this is where, we're, this is where the story is going. Lies, disagreements, back and forth. I think it's pretty obvious that your government is absolutely trying to manufacture something here. And that does not mean that you, Russia wouldn't be, in every possible way, trying to take advantage of the situation. They obviously have their own agendas and their own policies and and objectives to achieve from all of this. But as we go through the story, it's going to be kind of hard not to look at this and think that at the very least, it seems that Russia is supporting a group's ability or willingness or desire to be independent. Now, that may be a biased perspective to some people. Let's just be clear, to have those separatists or that location independent or rather eventually becoming Russian territory is obviously something they would want. But just think about something like Taiwan and China or many other examples of this exact situation happening where it's the exact reverse, where they all only care about Taiwanese freedom and that's all they were support. And China's like, well, too bad. That's our location. You don't get to just stick your fingers in and say, no, whether you agree with China or not. Now, in this situation, it's the exact opposite. And we'll explain what this is for those who don't know that they don't care about the separatists and what they, whether they want freedom or not. They just claim Russia is doing it all, And but those people absolutely, overtly say the opposite. So it's up for you to decide. But you'll find hypocritical stances across this whole damn discussion primarily, if not entirely, on the side of the U.S. government. Now, starting back here, this is one of the first first places to begin to understand the background before we jump into the false flag of today. NATO expansion, what Gorbachev heard. Now, this is from the National Security Archive. You can do your due diligence on this and it's undeniably clear. And this is why I said this the other day, which we all should know by now. This is undeniable. Just like we talk about the COVID discussion and how you have things you can prove. Here's peer-reviewed science and you know, 11 other ones that say the same thing and the history before it that say the same thing just because they poke in with one little weird discussion that they claim change everything in the middle of it all. Like, this is how this works. This is clear. The history was there. The history is there now. They just pretend that people don't understand, just like they're talking about with that COVID and everything else. This is what happened in regard to the NATO conversation. If you don't know the history here, we'll get into it. They were not allowed to basically go past Germany after the the, the resolution of this. And they have sense. So when you hear this talk about NATO and how they violated this and how this is playing into the Ukraine conversation and how it plays in more importantly to Russia's reaction and actions around what they're doing, it's very important to understand this. Now, this is December 12th, 2017. U.S. Secretary of State James Baker's famous n- not one inch eastward assurance about NATO expansion in his meeting with Soviet leader Gorbachev, Mikhail Gorbachev, on February 9, 1990, was part of a cascade of assurances about Soviet security given by Western leaders to Gorbachev and other Soviet officials throughout the process of German unification in 1990 and on. Into 1991, according to declassified U.S., Soviet, German, British, and French documents posted today by the National Security Archive at George Washington University, you can ref- You can look at all of this stuff. In fact, one of the actual literal source materials right here. One of the paid. Page- one of the literal pages from. Uh, Baker's assurance to uh, during the Ottawa Open Skies conference and says, and if United Germany stays in NATO, we should take care about non-expansion of its jurisdiction to the east. Now, of course, at the very least, what they'll try to argue is these weren't official claims or official agreements, which by the way, but when you think about it, it's a little bit, so it's okay that you suggested or shook hands and agreed to something, but we didn't write it down. So screw them, right? This is the classic U.S. government mentality as well as the U.K., where we're talking about where, you know, or an administration could change. And suddenly you're just like, who cares about what Trump agreed to? Who cares what Obama agreed to? We're different people. Well, no, in fact, you're supposed to honor these things as we pretend. But this is one of those situations. The documents show that multiple national leaders were considering and rejecting Central and Eastern European membership in NATO as of early 1990 and through 1991. That's a big part of this is having NATO allies alongside the border of Russia. Right, we're gonna get into more of the mapping here, but you'll notice that there's an important conversation to be had about Russia and the borders. So you can see here's Ukraine, right next to it. You can see Belarus, Lithuania, all, all of these Poland. These are all countries that have you've seen NATO encroach upon. And now, and we'll get to the mapping of it in more in a moment about where the bases are, over a period of very not very long. You've watched the US government completely encircle Russia from all sides, violating this agreement. That's why this is important. So it's just a long-term justification for why Russia has a reason to be a little bit on guard. But it says the documents show multiple leaders were discussing this. The discussions of NATO in the context of German unification in 1990 were not all narrowly limited to the status of East German territory. And that subsequent Soviet and Russian complaints about being misled about NATO expansion were founded in written contemporaneous memcoms and telecoms at the highest levels. This is all verifiable stuff, guys. The documents reinforce former CIA director Robert Gates' criticism of, quote, pressing ahead with expansion of NATO eastward in the 1990s when Gorbachev and others were led to believe that wouldn't happen. The key phrase here clearly being led to believe, right? As if we, you know, there's honor in someone's agreement or words. President George H.W. Bush had assured Gorbachev during the Malta summit in December 1989 that the U.S. would not take advantage. Of the 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 revolutions in Eastern Europe to harm Soviet interests, but neither Bush nor Gorbachev at that point, or for that matter, West German Chancellor Helmut Kohl, expected so soon the collapse of East Germany or the speed of German unification. Now, there's another conversation to be had about whether that was an action or whether something was driven there that caused this. But nonetheless, NATO should, as it says, NATO should rule out quote expansion of its territory towards the east, i.e., moving it closer the Soviet Union. That's, 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 the, that's directly what they're discussing and agreed upon. This latter idea of special status for the GDR territory was codified in the final German unification treaty signed on September 12, 1990 by the two plus four foreign ministers. The former idea discussing the no closer to uh, towards the east Closer to the Soviet borders is written down, not in treaties, but in multiple memoranda of conversation between the Soviets and the highest level Western uh, inter, inter, uh, local. Uh, oh, that's right. I forgot to basically people in the conversation, but I wanted to. Interlocutor, it's an interesting word pronunciation wise, uh, and, and and basically goes on to point out all these people's names that you'll remember from past, Thatcher and so on, offering assurances throughout 1990 and into 1991 about protecting Soviet security interests and including the USSR in new European security structures. The two issues were related, but not the same. Subsequent analysis sometimes conflated the two and argued that the discussion did not involve all of Europe. So there's, you know, debate at the point, even then. The documents published below clearly show that it did, though. And this is where you get into the actual documentation and the argument around it today. This formula immediately became the center of a flurry of important diplomatic discussions over the next 10 days in 1990, leading to the crucial February 10, 1990 meeting in Moscow between Kohl and Gorbachev, when the West German leader archived... Soviet assent in principle to German unification in NATO achieved, excuse me, as long as NATO did not expand to the east. The Soviets would need much more time to work with their diplomatic opinion and finally aid from the West German, the West Germans before fine, uh, formally signed the deal in September 1990. For example, in 1990, February 6th, when they met with British foreign minister, heard the British record showed them saying, quote, the Germans must have some assurance that if for example the Polish government left the Warsaw Pact one day they would not join NATO the next now this is documented this is a document you can read for yourself which you'll then find in 1999 guess what not only Poland but Hungary Czech Republic join NATO right and very there's, there's no misunderstanding that this is how you can see the, pro- the way they just pretend, they just hope that you don't understand this stuff or have the memory to look back far enough Now, another expansion came with the ascension of seven Central and Eastern European countries later. Bulgaria, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Romania, uh, uh, Slovakia, and Slovenia. So the point being, all of them, I mean, literally every, so the idea is being German, Germany, over here. Okay, here's Germany. I keep trying to make a pin. Oh, there you go. Right? So here's Germany. The idea was that they were not supposed to Essentially go past Germany, but yet here's Poland, here's Slovakia, Hungary, all these Ukraine. They pushed all the way literally up to the border of Russia. How is that not a threat? Especially since there was an agreement that that's literally the opposite of what would happen if they allowed these concessions. Now, not once, but three times. Baker tried out the not one inch eastward formula with Gorbachev in February 9th, 1990 meeting. He agreed with Gorbachev's statement in response to the assurances that, quote, NATO expansion is unacceptable. Baker assured Gorbachev that, quote, neither the president nor I intend to extract any unilateral advantages from the processes that are taking place, except they did after that. Not necessarily individually, but going forward with this government and that the Americans understood that, quote, not only for the Soviet Union, but for the European countries as well. It is important to have guarantees that if the United States keeps its presence in Germany, which it did within the framework of NATO, which it did, not an inch of NATO's presence, military jurisdiction will spread in an eastern direction. Well, here we are. And we obviously know that's not what happened. Okay, so st- going all the way back to the beginning of this start of the con- this part of the conversation, we can see that the U.S. government happily broke its word, pushing past it. Now, all this time, of course, the, you, Russia doesn't is not doing anything about it, at least not overtly. And the U.S. just goes, no, you're dumb. You don't understand it. That's not what they said. Don't, don't look it up. Just trust us. Trust what we say. That's not what happened. Well, clearly you just saw they're lying. That is what happened. Now, going forward a little bit, we can realize that since then, this is what's ultimately happened. And let's keep this in mind in regard to what they're screaming about as Russia moves troops within its own borders. And you'll see that's not hard to prove. They just, when they say encroaching on the border of Ukraine, they just don't mention that happens to be within Russia, which I don't know how you could miss that if you're smart enough to stand back and go, wait a minute, how could, there's only one way that could work, but they fail to always note that that's inside of Russia. Here is a point from Radio Free Europe, which is obviously propaganda on the side of the West. Where are U.S. and Russia military bases in the world? The point being that these are not even remotely all of the U.S. bases. But just take a quick glance that even when they're propagandizing, you' pretty impossible to make it look like Russia has more bases because it doesn't. Okay, This is U.S. propaganda showing you how, it, and with lying, first of all, because there's a hell of a lot more of U.S. bases. How I mean, This is more than triple of what you're looking at here, just on their lie. And you'll note that Russian bases are all right around Russia and their allies. Except the opposite, you'll see that U.S. bases are encircling Russia in every possible way. Pretty, pretty easy to see. That's not a, you don't now, Not only does that violate the original deal about NATO, but it also shows you a very concerning situation for Russia. Where why wouldn't you have troops closer to your borders when they're literally building up around your borders? Now again. For all those that just can't wait to call me a Russian shill when, or whatever shill we are uh, you know, tomorrow or the next day, whatever conversation we're having, this is not about one side or the other. It's about facts. In no way is it suggesting that Russia wouldn't do literally everything the U.S. government is capable of and is doing currently. It's simply to point out that they're lying to you, just like the Russia would in their own situation if it benefited them the same way. But here, what we're staring at is an obvious misrepresentation about what's going on around Ukraine and who, in fact, is the one encroaching. Now, this is one step further. This goes all the way to, uh, this is as of, where was the date again? Twenty October 2021. So, pretty much before, this, this is right when this was beginning, first of all. We're going to briefly show you that again so you can understand the time frame here. Because remember, we're talking about U.S. forces holding drills in Ukraine in September 20th. We don't talk about that part of it, though. Sort of how like when Israel bombs Palestine and they fire rockets back, they go, oh, they're attacking rockets. And we're like, well, you just bombed. We don't talk about that part of it, though, right? It's all self-defense when they fire in self-defense and you call that self-defense. It's lies, guys. This was happening. And they when Russia starts to hold their drills, which is what happened afterward, That becomes the impetus for, oh my God, they're moving people toward the border, which, okay, so you held drills by their border, which we don't talk about. Then they hold drills, which they say are drills. Both of them are probably lying. They're probably both not drills. The point is that is a problem, but yours is okay. In fact, yours didn't even exist. We don't even talk about that one. It's just that ridiculous. So my point here is that before that, October 23rd, so right before it, in fact, the U.S. Air Force, guess what they did? Well, they they moved a bunch of people and jets and F-16s right next to Russia. Why didn't we talk about that? Why, why didn't we didn't hear Russia screaming about that and saying, oh, my God, look at what they're doing. We're going to start taking military action because you're doing things that are totally justified. The problem being that they're just too close to us, right, which you could have a problem with, but nothing illegal is happening. So when they do the same thing in reverse, you see that it doesn't work the same way. But here it says the spring, this spring, the U.S. Air Force staged a small number of F-22 stealth fighters to an outlying airfield in Alaska. We're not talking about Alaska, mind you, which, by the way, is pretty close anyway. Now the service has sent F-16 fighters even closer, right next to Russia. The exercise, of course, we're just doing it. Don't don't flatter yourself, Russia. It has nothing to do with you. Of course, they say that and pretend like we have to just blindly believe them. Like they're just doing drills right along Russia's border. It has nothing to do with them. Why would you even believe that? The exercise was rehearsal for a full-scale war with Russia. That was what their stated purpose was. Stated. So here you are exercising a stated purpose of pretending you're having full-scale war with Russia, and that's not supposed to concern them when you're less than 200 miles from their coast? Well, the Air Force anticipates that in wartime, Russians might attack the the service's big bases with ballistics and cruise missiles, so it all justifies, because they hypothetically say Russia could do something like that, so we're going to take action ahead of time. It's almost like a Bethlehem pre Preemptive self defense drill, kind of thing, where we're like, well, they're a bad guy because we say so. So we can do things right next to them because we know how bad they are. But when it happens in reverse, it's totally unacceptable. Well, it says on shimia Island, which is just about 200 miles from the coast of Russia. Well, you want to see where that is? Right over here. Look at this. Okay. So here's the United States. All right. Here is where they are. In Ukraine, way like the literal other side of the world, right up against Russia and everywhere else for that matter. We'll show you the basis next. Now, U.S. the U.S. government just put a bunch of tra- planes right here, right on this island, right off the coast of Russia. Now, just because we're going to pretend it's on some kind of, you know, nautical barrier here, the point is this is ridiculous. If anything like this happened in reverse, the U.S. government would lose its mind. They always do. and We always know this. Like I often use the example of, of you know Venezuela or Cuba, for instance, right? Or Puerto Rico or but the point is if if we've talked to, we've had talks about Venezuela before, where if Russia, let's just say, move planes and ships over to Venezuela, which by the way they have every right to because they're an ally, the US government would lose its mind. And by the way, would have a reason to be at least concerned because it's close to US borders, right? So you see how it's totally rational when they would happen on the other way around. But then when the US government puts troops, and I'm talking literally on the border of Russia, and we don't even have to pretend they're in Ukraine, which by the way, they are, and I'll prove that to you. But let's pretend like, you know, we know, by the way, that they're in Latvia. We know that they're in Lithuania. We know that they're in Georgia, all over the place, literally along the border of Russia. And that's not supposed to be a concern. And then when Russia moves troops to their border because of it, that's supposed to be their action against anybody else. This is just crazy town. But there they are. That was back in October. Okay, so we have, we can even just pretend it starts here, but it doesn't. You can keep going back tit for tat forever. The point is U.S. moves F-16s right off the border coast, excuse me, of Russia in October. And then it all spins out into drills and it goes from there. And it's all been hype ever since then. Now here is what the U.S. has been doing. for Since the Gorbachev discussion, forward. They have, first of all, I'll show you the picture next, what's called larger bases, or just bases, or what's called what are called lily pads. Now, they pretend these things are different. They pretend lily pads aren't bases, and they pretend they don't have to be discussed. That's a lie. There's also more than lily pads. There are also just bases that they utilize that are foreign bases, right? That are, that are not, you know, you can call them allies if you want, or you can call them people that they've subjugated. Either way, that counts too. But we're not going to include those ones. We're just going to talk about lily pads and bases. And remember, they don't count lily pads in most cases. Bases are foreign. 10 acres or more, that's crazy, or more than $10 million. Or excess of 200 200 military personnel, which I love how they put excess, meaning it could be 10,000. You know, anything more than 200. So anyone these bases could have a huge amount of people, you just wouldn't know it. Especially using contractors and mercenaries, which they don't count as U.S. troops. And 60% of their bases fall into this category. 60%. Now, 40% are lily pads. Or about... 10 acres or less, or less than $10 million. 40% of them fall into that category. So 40% of their bases, they just pretend aren't there. Now, according to the global U.S. military deployment data published in the Conflict Management and Peace Science Journal, which you can look out for yourself, the U.S. had around 173,000 troops deployed in 159 countries as of 2020. All right. So think about the interesting t- correlation of them screaming that Russia has 175,000 troops amassed at the border, which, by the way, is like a, like a huge portion of their ground forces. But then here, they have which I promise is more than this, a similar amount deployed in 159 countries, a lot of which surround Russia as of 2020. Like the U.S. bases, the countries with the most number of U.S. troops include Japan, Germany, South Korea. Japan's got 53,000 plus. Germany's got 33,000, almost 34,000. South Korea's got 26,000 plus. You want, you want to take a quick look at where those are just so you get an understanding? Well, look at that. Well, here's South Korea. Here's Japan. Weird. They're like right on the border, right on the coast of Russia. Isn't that funny? Just because they're allies, they, right? So it's not the same in reverse. Just like with Ukraine. They're like, we're this is an ally. We could be here. Okay, but if Russia did that in Venezuela or Cuba or anywhere else, the U.S. would would literally call it an act of war. Does this make sense to anybody? Just because you scream Russia bad guy does not mean you get to just change the rules. In fact, realize that there are no rules. They have 30,000 troops from South Korea, almost plus 50,000 in Japan, right along the border of Russia and China, for that matter. They also have all these other bases. Now, here's what you would need to understand. This is what we know. The U.S. military has about 750 bases in at least 80 countries around the world. It has approximately 172 thousand troops in 59 countries. And this is what we can prove. Now you can look down here countries with the most number of troops Japan Germany South Korea right those are the 3 with the most and they just happen to pretty much encircle these areas isn't that interesting don't don't forget that we have Ukraine operating as well now this is incredible now compare this to what we're talking about in regard to Russia you'll find it to be quite a bit different now who in fact is the one now building troops and pushing in and oh i forgot the u.s does it all for freedom so it doesn't matter even though even when that freedom stars people to death in yemen and bolivia and venezuela and iran and everywhere else that's happening south syria right now or when that when that fighting for freedom destroys their food source or when that fighting for freedom murders their families in front of them and makes them destroy their own homes right yeah freedom as long as you yell freedom apparently that's all that matters. Rampant lawlessness. But it's acceptable as long as you yell it and we can pretend that makes sense. This is the reality. Now, talking about the discussion of Ukraine itself and how we have to understand that this is something that was an obvious, overtly obvious regime change effort from the U.S. government. This is an article from June 18th, uh, joint research from Mint Press News and South Front. Really important article and important information to understand. U.S. military involvement in Ukraine, NATO expansion through proxy war. Former Assistant Secretary of State for the European and Eurasian Affairs Victoria in, interpret, in intercepted phone calls. And former U.S. President Barack Obama's public admission of the U.S. government's $5 billion investment in funding fundamentally altering Ukraine's political, economic, and cultural alignment in the world received coverage even by Western mainstream media. What has not received extensive media scrutiny is the involvement of the U.S. military and even CIA very early on, and interestingly, since the civil strife of the country began. Now, the money, of course, is always about freedom, right? We're just trying to help fight for freedom over there, you know, or you could just be like, well, they're funding these obviously overtly and admittedly white supremacist neo-Nazi government. Now, why doesn't that matter? Right Why, how can you pretend that you're fighting bad guys when you're funding bad guys? Oh it's the same old narrative from US government, right? We're fighting terrorism as we literally fund and grow terrorism in Syria. Right? You can't you can't hide that secret anymore. So I think that's what's happening here as well. This is what we're looking at. 5 billion dollars to people that I'll write again next prove to you are overtly neo-Nazi white supremacists. White supremacists and this is the people these are the people they pretend they're fighting internally right now as they literally fund these people. You'll find that there's been democratic senators, democratic senators that have reached out to biden personally and said these people are bad people these people are terrorists here's exactly why we should deem them terrorists and biden's government ignores it or when they get reached out for comment from newsweek about why they're supporting this group they say we support ukrainian sovereignty they clearly know who these people are they don't care so you can't you can only pretend it one way here you have to, I mean, it's just like with Syria. If you just really hate Assad that bad and you're willing to work with the very terrorists you pretend you're fighting, it becomes pretty clear that you're not there to fight those terrorists. You're there to fight the people you want to remove and you're using terrorism as the vehicle. So then ask yourself, how do they really care about white supremacy in this country? Or are they using that as a vehicle to suppress you and your rights? Watch the show we just discussed about how this fake war with Ukraine is being used to hide a war on you. Five billion dollars. Now, we are, we're going to get to a clip in a minute about the CIA, or rather just American soldiers, training people in Ukraine right now. It's not even a secret, but you just don't hear this in the mainstream media. Now, setting aside the wealth and research suggesting the presence of Western-trained snipers on the maiden that fateful February 20th, 2014, and then director of the CIA John Brennan's visit to the new coup leadership just months later in mid-April, was a sign to the world the U.S. clandestine intelligence services were fully involved with the unfolding drama. Now, before we go forward, it's important to understand that this is something that was very important, just like we saw in Syria. It was verifiable, just like it is here. That the people that, just like with Syria, how we had the, the narrative of snipers who shot protesters. They claimed it was Assad who did it. They used that to drive in everything. It was shown to be wildly false. In fact, it was shown to be Western snipers. Well, guess what? Just like we're seeing, we saw in Ukraine. Just like we saw them literally get caught doing in Venezuela. The people that were backed by Guaido in the U.S. were the ones throwing Molotov cocktails when they tried to claim it was the other way around. They got caught. The video proved it. And they just dropped it and ran from it. They never talked about it again. Same thing here. Now, if you don't believe they're capable of this, I'm sorry. You're just not paying attention. This is what they openly did back in the days of Kissinger. And when he was immersed in the actual administrations as much as he's still playing the game today. 2014. The point being, initial reports seem to indicate that all sniper fire came from the security forces. But some, and by the way, the, the maiden point, if you don't remember what that was, this is the square we're talking about, the area. The initial reports indicated all sniper fire came from security forces, but some are now questioning that narrative as Ukraine's interim government investigates who is behind the fatal shootings. The former head of Ukraine's security service, Yakyamenko, claimed this week, 2014, in an interview with uh, with TV channel Rosia, uh, Russia, that pro Maiden, pro Western organizers were the ones that actually shot protesters. Now, this is somebody who was in the internal, in, in the intelligence agencies of, of Ukraine. Now, he said that the shots came from Kiev's, uh, the capital's Philharmonic Hall. That particular building was overseen by the Fatherland Party's deputy, uh, these names are always difficult for me in Ukraine specifically, uh, Per known unofficially as the commander of Maiden. Now, here's the interesting part. You'll find this link and with the information that you can find the actual video from when we hear where he says this suddenly no longer exists, except you can find it on the Wayback Machine, but the video portion of it is no longer there, which is frustrating. But here's what it actually says, which you'll find very interesting. Opposition hired snipers. All commanders were given, all commands were given from the U.S. Embassy. That's what the headline says. Now, of course, you'll see the video is no longer there, but those that remember this time remember this information. You can read this. I'll include it for yourself. This this is a member of the intelligence of Ukraine telling you that we know we could prove that the U.S. government were the ones giving the orders to fire on the snipers to use it as the justification to push in. Sound familiar? Sounds exactly like what they're claiming is happening today. You know, accuse them of that which you are guilty is kind of a classic propaganda term. So going back before we move forward to understand that this is what we talk and just like we've seen before. U.S. entities, at the very least, Western snipers firing on people, claiming that the Ukraine government at the time did it to be able to justify war, from a media standpoint and to push in people from the ground to get people involved, the average people, to create protests. You know, this is what we've seen in China. We've seen this all over the world. It's not a hard thing to see when the U.S. starts trying to foment unrest. Uh, setting aside the wealth of research suggesting the presence of Western trained snipers on the, uh, at the Maiden location and John Brennan's visit months later to the very people we're talking about, it's very clear that there was more happening here. Now, by the declaration by the Kiev government of an anti-terrorist operation was a clear sign that the United States was behind the attempt to militarily confront the growing opposition in the eastern regions of Donsk. And uh, uh, oh, I, I just looked it up a moment ago, too. I said it right before, but I want to make sure again. Uh Lugansk. Lou, Lugenks. <laughs> these Ukrainian words are always difficult for me, but anyone refusing to acknowledge the legitimacy of the coup in government would be labeled a terrorist. Sound familiar? The Security Service of Ukraine, the SBU, is given command of the operation, not the Ministry of Defense. Now, remember, the Security Service of Ukraine, we will show you in a moment. Whether it's the national, these are groups that are immersed, completely intertwined with the white supremacist entity, which has overtaken the entire, this is their national security entity. This is the government. This is the military. We'll show you again next. Even the mainstream media keeps calling this out, even as of last month. So when you understand that this is the group that we're talking about. That took over afterward. That's now the one that's being basically leaned into by your government while they pretend to be fighting what they actually represent. There's a very weird PSYOP happening here. But the reality is they were the ones, the SBU, are the ones that took control, not the defense, not the Ministry of Defense. Paradoxically, what followed was a systemic, systematic campaign to terrorize and subjugate the rebellious population of two regions, the ones we just generally connect, uh, um, combined called the Donbass region. That had very real concerns and fears that their culture, interest, and welfare would not be embraced and protected by the new government and had seized power by force and had even attempted to assassinate the deposed president Jankovic, a president whom the dissenting regions had overwhelmingly voted for. Now, the point is this is not hard to prove. People have, I mean, Eva Bartlett's done work on this. These are, you get easy. Just like when you actually go to Iran or actually go to Venezuela and actually just talk to people, you can quickly find out that they support, just like with Crimea. The referendum overwhelmingly supported going to Russia, right? So the idea is we're talking about the Donbass region, which is not necessarily something that's trying to go to Russia, at least on the surface. They just want to be independent. And Russia right now we'll get into is almost about to vote to just say they're independent. So why is it? It's interesting to see the U.S. government, who's always behind the independence, screaming that that's not what should be allowed to happen. We don't. So you don't support their willingness to be free? Isn't that interesting? It's only because they never actually mean care about that. It's always what they use as a means to an end. In this case, they are on the other side, so they don't care about their independence. All they frame it as is it's actually Russia using them like puppets. Well, it's certainly possible. How about you prove it, though? I'd love to see you prove it because that's not what's happening. And when you actually do go in, you find out the evidence is overwhelmingly on the side that the Donbass region just doesn't want to be part of Ukraine because it's very, very clear that Ukraine does not care about them does not care about what they believe in, does not care about their culture, and in fact is committing mass atrocities in this area that's been proven from plenty of different locations. But because Russia points at it, it's automatically fake news. That's how our media works today, because that's really intelligent, isn't it? Now, I'm not saying that means because they say it is true, but how about because they say it, we should investigate and find out. Nope. If they say it, fake news. Just like when anybody says anything about vaccine, automatic fake news, because that's what they do. Now, the U.S. Congress approved an aid package of $1 billion to Ukraine in the March of 2014. That fast. A billion dollars immediately going to an openly white supremacist government. Followed up by an additional $53 million in military aid. So let's be clear. They're funding, arming, and supporting this group. Right up until now. The European Union and International Monetary Fund had already given $26 billion in financial aid to the ruling government in Ukraine. Right? Money which they probably siphoned off from other locations they didn't actually deserve to have. Same with the U.S. government and it pumped into their regime change effort. I mean, we just saw them steal billions from Venezuela by pretending Guaido was still in charge. That just happened. Think how stupid that is. They stole billions in gold that was in, in the Bank of England. Probably being used right now to funnel into what they're doing today. By the beginning of September of that year, in 2014 we're talking about, the Ukrainian armed forces military offensive was roundly defeated. Now there's been multiple times where this has happened where they, you know, tried to do something and of course got shut down by Russia and, or and, and specifically the separatists, but uh, by April of 2015, let's be clear, sort of like we can talk about the, the Iranian back forces and proxies and so on. In this case, it's very, very clear at least that Russia supports the separatists and their, their desire to be independent is what the Russia would say. Now, is it, probably likely that Russia is is in fact there with them or in fact has helped them in many ways. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Cuz it's exactly what the US government does all over the place. It doesn't make it right or wrong, it just makes it what they do all the time. The point is that the narrative what they're framing it as is very clear easy to look up. These people, whether they're being supported by Russia clandestine or on the, on the surface, just want to be out of Ukraine and the US government just doesn't want to allow that because they're using the separatist situation as the justification for why this continues to be a problem. Problem reaction solution. On the other side of it, they're pretending that that's Ukraine's territory and they don't have a right to leave, and it's only Russia trying to cause problems. Then prove that they never prove it. Evidence-free narrative is all the U.S. government has anymore. As of April, by April two thousand fifteen, the U.S. Congress approved a further seventy-five million dollars in military aid. So billion from another fifty-three million, another twenty-six billion, another seventy-five million. We're talking tens of billions of dollars in military aid and support to the new Ukrainian government. Poroshenko's government by passing the European Re- Reassurance Initiative. Rebels destroyed or recovered a number of U.S. supply counter battery radars in the midst of one of these separatist battles, numerous HMMWV light utility vehicles, and a number of U.S. supplied small arms, sniper rifles, and munitions. So it's on the record very clearly that they were giving these peoples everything they need. And when you find out in a moment, which maybe you didn't see last time, these rebels are horrible terrorist-like people that even our own government has pointed out, then it wouldn't surprise you at all, hopefully because you know they've done this literally everywhere they go, whether Afghanistan I mean look, look at the way the Afghanistan situation ended up with the Taliban. the Taliban the very imp- the reason they claim they were invading are now the people in charge. you think that's an accident? It's advantageous for them. They just do whatever works for them in the moment. None of what they claim is why they're doing it is why they're doing it For freedom. Right. The everything they're doing right now that you're watching, whether you believe Russia or the United States, everything the U.S. government is doing right now is impeding people's freedom around the world with these kind of narratives. Now, it says rebels destroyed these uh, these found all this all these munitions and everything else. After a year of successive and stunning defeats on the battle, the United States decided to embrace and push that Poroshenko propaganda excuse for Ukrainian defeat by stating that Russian regular military forces intervened in the conflict again. Even if that did happen, which I've never seen anybody prove that, the argument would be that Russia is supporting an entity that wants to fight for its independence. I mean, it's the exact same argument of why the U.S. government continues to poke into Taiwan. Like, it's amazing the hypocrisy in all of this. Engaging in a de facto invasion of the country, you see? And this is how they frame this as being an invasion in the past. Beginning in February 2015, and again, an invasion, and we're talking about a group that's not, if that is, defected from ukraine you see what i mean it's just it's so hypocritical and dishonest the way they frame this beginning in february 2015 united states army began planning the first many developments in u.s army soldiers to ukraine that's absolutely happening i'm saying happening and has happened sending u.s soldiers to ukraine with the stated aim of training the ukrainian military and establishing a new military training center in the west of the country We're going to get into all of this. In the intervening years, the U.S. Army, as well as the militaries of the U.K., Canada, have sent soldiers to Ukraine as trainers and advisors. Regular rotations of U.S. Army troops have been deployed for this purpose for three years now, at this article being written in 2018. Additional packages of military aid have continued unabated over the same time period. What started out as an operation to train members of the Ukrainian National Guard that's important because we're going to show you why the National Guard today is simply the Azov Battalion, or at least in part, which means their National Guard is openly white supremacist. That's And it's not, I don't mean just because we see a symbol, because they say that, because they conduct themselves and openly call themselves that. Has morphed into a much larger and cons- concerted effort to train the Ukrainian armed forces as a whole to successfully conduct offensive operations as a whole. That's the important reality to understand. Now, currently, the U.S. Army is now training uh, brigade-sized Ukrainian army units, this is 2018, with the help of trainers from other NATO countries, including the United Kingdom, Canada, Poland, Lithuania, two other countries that weren't even supposed to be involved in NATO, right? That's a violation right there. U.S. Special Operations Command Europe has actively been training Ukrainian special forces, what that stands for, what it means, as well, although this topic has received little media attention. Oh, and then anti-terrorism operation is ATO That's what that stands for. And it says the U.S. weapons manufacturers have been providing the Ukrainian forces with specialized small arms and sniper rifles chambered in NATO standard ammunition. As well as non-standard high powered rifle rounds, Russian equivalent rocket propelled grenades and projectiles manufactured in the U.S. have been provided. Most recently, uh, Donald Trump approved the sale of Javelin uh, missiles to Kiev. So see how this goes over many administrations, guys. The initial 47 million sale consists of 210 missiles and 37 launch units. Ukraine Special Operations Forces have clearly, again, talking about the same groupings here, undergone a transformation since U.S. military involvement in the country. The UAF Special Operations more closely resemble those of NATO nations. They are now wearing U.S. military-issue operational camouflage pattern, multi-cam battle dress uniforms, and gear, and are increasingly using Western-manufactured firearm accessories, optics, even night vision equipment. A brief study of U.S. military involvement in Ukraine reveals that it started before the maiden when the sniper shooting protesters increased during the initial anti-terrorism operations and continued to increase after the disastrous defeat of the UAF in the winter months of 2015, culminating in the battle of this, i have probably hacked hack this word, one of these final culmination battles where they got defeated pretty strongly. The U.S. government has been supplying the Ukrainian state with both non-lethal and lethal aid, military training and support, and crucial monetary support. The goal of making the Ukrainian armed forces a de facto NATO interoperable fighting component have been underway for three years now at an ever-accelerating pace, right there. Creating the reality or the situation to where this is not technically NATO, so they can pretend they're not there, but while making a NATO interoperable fighting component and here we are now, and we're going to pretend like that wasn't built that way for a reason as they're using this as a launch pad to, to create this whole situation. The U.S. government is not a signatory of the Minx two agreements, the Minx agreements in regard to the ceasefire. And we're talking about the separatists. We'll get to this in a minute. Nor do they have any apparent desire to see the conflict settled through dialogue or compromise. You see, they don't want this to stop. The U.S. State Department ceased to be in a, dip, a diplomatic service decades ago. This is the author speaking. Brian Coleman, and I agree, and only acts to reinforce threats and coercion coming from the White House and the military-industrial complex that directs it. There will be no peace, no compromise, and no reconciliation in Ukraine as long as Uncle Sam is coddling a corrupt, oligarch-made ruler and engaging him to crush the, quote, terrorists in the East that he claims to represent as a democratically elected president. Unfortunately, he was not elected by the people of Donbass, as these regions were not even included in the political process. Sound familiar? Nor... Or many of the political parties that may have voted for him—exactly what the U.S. government points to in places like Iran, in places like Venezuela—and says that the whole process is then defunct. Well, how about it? Doesn't why does it not make sense when they do the exact same thing, excluding people they don't want to run, removing parties that might actually win, and then pretending it's a fair election? These people don't feel represented, and that's been clear since this started. And here they are calling them terrorists. Sound familiar? Palestine, Yemen, they become terrorists by, de- by default when they do not go along with what's happening. As witnessed in so many other conflicts from Georgia to Syria, Russia has decided to be reactionary while the U.S. has decided to take the offensive initiative. There will undoubtedly come a time in the Ukraine conflict as the U.S. continues to up the ante when Russia will have to decide if its historic interests in Ukraine and Crimea are worth a wider conflict or if it will allow its centuries-old con- connect to this region, its land, and its people to slip away. Maybe what happens? Russia may find that the juice is not worth the squeeze here, but at the end of the day, it's undeniable how this has gone down and who's being, and just because you, if you, you could point out that the manipulation and the lies are coming from the side of the U.S. government does not then ultimately mean that the, the Russia then becomes the good guy. This good, good guy, bad guy, childish kindergarten narrative is ridiculous. These all of them should be questioned. They're all governments manipulating people for plenty of different reasons. The reality, though, is doesn't one of them ultimately or like I said before, both of them possibly could be lying to you. But in the context of what's really going down around Russia, I can tell you very clearly, in my opinion, what Russia is saying about Ukraine from the past is true. On top of the fact that as far as I can tell, until you show me evidence, U.S. government, I see Russia moving within their own country, claiming drills, whether that's the case, just like U.S. does. And everybody building around it based on this movement and unverified claims. That's what's happening. Prove me wrong. Now, going forward, don't forget this, by the way. I forgot to play this at the end of the show the other day. I'll try to remember to do this at the end now. But this was a clip of the previous Ukrainian government openly saying that Biden's right there. There's it's the subsequent transfer of accounts of the company belongings to the Biden family, that they robbed the Ukrainian people when this happened and siphoned off money to the Biden family. Just so you know, that claim is out there. And that's important. Now, bringing this to February 16th, 2022. This is so you understand the separatists a little bit. This is real surface level, but it's understanding. So you understand it. Ukraine asked UN Security Council to discuss Russian bid to recognize separatists. This is Reuters reporting this. Now, Russian-backed separatists in the Donk's and, and Luhank's regions collectively known as the Donbass, broke away from Ukrainian government control in 2014 and proclaimed themselves independent, sparking a conflict with the Ukrainian army. Now this is Reuters reporting this, right? So the argument would simply be that Russia is the one that's made this happen, but no one has ever proved that. And it's amazing that we just get to run with narrative from governments that have lied to us because they just said it a long time ago and we just made that the narrative. It's not proven. Is it possible? Of course it is. Anybody who would say it's not is lying to you, but based on everything that's happened since, we should be asking for proof. The point is that this happened in 2014, and the argument is these people simply wanted their freedom, and it's very clear why, when you can see that they weren't allowed to vote, that they weren't allowed to be involved, and the the Ukrainian government today does not even believe they have a right to exist. They call them terrorists. So why would you want to join that? Like, it's just dumb, sparking a conflict. Now, Russia's lower house of parliament voted on Tuesday, this is recent Tuesday, to ask Putin to recognize Dunks and Luanks as independent, which I find interesting, not as Russian, right, not like Crimea, referendum and voting and pulling them into Russia, but no, but becoming their own independent thing, which doesn't, that could just be a middle step to becoming part of Russia. And I would even argue that these, as they seem to be Russian, predominant Russian areas, that, that might be hap- it might even end up happening. And maybe that's what those people actually want. Of course, regardless of any of the facts, it would end up being that they took it because that's what the media does, what the West does. And maybe it could be true, but how about we prove it, though? You're going to hear me say it a lot. I want, you, you, If you're out there claiming that I'm wrong because they said opposite, prove what they're saying. I'm willing to question what Russia says because they say it. We all should. But if you believe the narrative is a certain way because you've heard U.S. people say so and you think that's enough, you're lost. Now, it says that he refused to get pulled into responding about how this could go and so on. Now, it says the U.N. Security Council has met dozens of times to discuss the Ukraine crisis since Russia annexed Ukraine's Crimea region in 2014, which, again, the point to take from this. And this is the easiest point to understand. There's been an endless amount of research and articles from all sides of the narrative telling you very clearly that Crimea, not only being predominantly Russian, was overwhelmingly wanting to be part of Russia. And it's the same argument, guys, because you're living in a place that's quite a bit different before this. Then all of a sudden, the U.S. government overthrows the government, puts in place a very clearly overt, like white supremacist neo-Nazi government. That's what I'm going to show you next. Undeniably. The media, even the mainstream in the U.S., is like right now saying that. So we start pretend like this is not the case. Just, they're just trying to give you different nuanced narratives around it. But I'll show you myself. So they don't want to be a part of that, and this is part of the reason they discussed They would want They overwhelmingly they held a referendum and overwhelmingly voted to go to Russia. Now again, if you want to pretend that that was manipulated by Russia, then prove that. Prove it. Prove it happened in Venezuela. Prove it happened in Bolivia. They never have. Not once. They'll give you some kind of weird statistic about how, look at the the timing of the votes and how late it happened. Oh, weird, that happened in Biden's election too. Oh, we'll talk about that one though. That one doesn't count. It only matters when it's Venezuela, right? Hypocrites. The point is proof matters and they never give it to you. They rarely even give you evidence and I hope you still understand the difference between the two. But that is an important understanding about what's going on and the, and the, the separatist line here and I can show I can show you actually real quick if you want to see the actual location. Oh, this is actually a better picture to use. Oh, I don't want to zoom out here. I'll use this one. So here, generally speaking, is what we're talking about. Right over here, I can even see right there. Yeah, there's the Dunks region, right? So here's what we're talking about, and basically what you're discussing is a is a is an area of which has art. They claim they've broken off from Ukraine, and they're fighting. It's a civil war essentially, right? Now they're trying to frame that as Russian creating that. You you think for yourself about it, right? But how about we ask for proof one way or the other? But that whole area is continued to explode into problematic battles back and forth between you know there's there's the Minsk agreements are what created a ceasefire essentially, and we know how that ceasefire always goes when this is something led by the West. Look at the ceasefires in Yemen. We've reported on that endlessly, and I've proven to you even the UN told you what happened more than once, and that is they declare a ceasefire. And they go, both sides pull back, and that's what this is supposed to be too. And then when the Houthis pull back, which is the the locally supported Yemeni rebel group that are, you know, where, where Saudi Arabia is supporting the group trying to jam in their US regime change. And the point is that the Houthis pull back because they're agreeing to do it, and the Saudis jam in and get more land. That's happened many times. And then the Houthis cry foul. Pompeo stands up and blusters about how the Houthis did it, and they only responded. Sound familiar? Same with Palestine and everything else. And every time it's happened, Saudi Arabia has pushed in and taken more land, taken more ground. So the next time they do a ceasefire, the Houthis go, screw that. They're just going to lie. They're not going to do it. We, we abide by it every time. And you keep cheating and lying. Then when they do that, they go, see, they don't want peace. They don't agree with peace. Like, if you're laughing right now in a macabre way, you should be, because this is insulting to our intelligence. They can, they, right, I mean, think about the people they're siding with, like the Saudi Arabians of the world, the UAEs of the world. They're siding with the worst people out there. And I don't mean people, I mean the governments. The openly authoritarian governments that are hurting their people on a regular basis. Remember, don't forget, UAE is the lead partner of the World Economic Forum, Great Reset. The lead partner. As they fight for your equity and equality, as the UAE gives none of that to its people right now. Freedom! Right, It's a lie. You're being lied to. They want you to see their side as the good guy side as they literally commit war crimes, murder, regime change, destruction, theft, over and over and over. Okay, so back to the point. We're talking about this area where that goes back and forth, right? Where we have the ceasefires, back to the Minx agreement that created a ceasefire. Now going forward, they continue to have little skirmishes. Same like we see everywhere else. Same like we continue to see in Idlib, for instance where you get these little skirmish back and forth, so where one will fire, one will fire back. And then they each point at each other and say, he fired first, he fired first. And it caused a little bit of a problem. But then they just kind of dissipate back. But this has been one of the bigger ones when one we're going to get to at the end about the kindergarten that I'm questioning in general, whether this is actually what's happening. Where uh, we we'll are back to this. Okay, so here we are back to the next day, now this is September 15th, one day back, Russia's parliament asked Putin to recognize breakaway East Ukrainian region. So you've got Russia's government right now asking them to to legally recognize these groups as independent in their own region, right? Now the problem is that would then violate the Minsk agreements. So Putin has dragged his feet on this, wanting dialogue, wanting some resolution, or so they're saying, right? Look, I'm not ever taking what he says at face value, but look at what's happened. He hasn't done that. So you can't, at the very least, you could just say he, that's not what he means, but we don't, but nothing has happened. Their point, they, they never want to take what they say at face value. He said they don't want to do this. He said they'd rather have some kind of dialogue and he doesn't do it and he asked for dialogue. So you could pretend there's some weird thing happening behind it all, but it's pretty easy to see what's actually happening. Now it says Russia's lower house of parliament voted on Tuesday to ask Putin to recognize two Russian backed breakaway regions. This is the collective Donbass, Donbass region. The move by the state Duma, if proved, could further inflame a wider standoff over a Russian military buildup near Ukraine. Now, this is my point. Near Ukraine? How about you point out that that's literally inside of Russia? How can you have a military buildup? I mean, I guess you still could, but it's very, it's all about the context. If you're not going to tell people that that buildup is happening on inside their own country and that it's in response to actions outside of their country, then you're obviously being dishonest. They're saying, they're saying that has fueled Western fears that Moscow could attack. Seriously. These kids, I'm not going to keep jumping back and forth. Let me get through this and I'll explain again why this is just utterly nonsensical. Russia denies any invasion plans and has accused West of hysteria. Right. So you have narrative on both sides. Russia moving inside its own territory. The U.S. actively taking action in response to what they can't prove is happening. Right. And that, and Russia says, well, no, I'm not doing anything. And all of the media collectively reports only what the Western tells them to report. Journalism. Recognition of the self-declared Dunks and Luang's uh, Luang's people's republics could kill the Minsk process in in eastern Ukraine. Quote, Kiev is not observing the Minsk agreements. Our citizens and compatriots who live in Donbass need our help and support, says the state speaker, the Duma speaker. Writing on social media. Now, that's interesting. They're telling you that Ukraine is not support is already breaking the agreements, which, by the way, you can show in multiple ways they have been for this entire time. Sort of like how Saudi Arabia is almost always in violation of the agreements, but nobody cares because they're on their side. See how that works? And all the Western media blindly reports what they're told. So when they violate these things, such as having, you know, high... Uh, uh, I forget the term they use, I think it's in this actual article, but having high-level weaponry that's not supposed to be along the border, and they do anyway, nobody cares about that. And it's verifiable. Ukraine's foreign minister told reporters, quote, If a decision on recognition is taken in regard to these areas, Russia will de facto and de jure withdraw from the Minsk agreements with all the attendant consequences. So, it's unacceptable to declare them independent. Think about how hypocritical that is. Not part of Russia, but independent as they scream for independence at a news conference in Moscow, which is easy to prove, by the way, Putin declined to be drawn out and how he would respond. He said Russians were sympathetic to the residents of the Donbass region, but he wanted regions problems to be resolved through the Minsk Accords. Again, my point is, if if he's lying about that, so the West says, why is he continuing to stay in the Minsk agreements? There could be another reason for that. But here he is going, I don't want to do the thing that my own government is pushing me to do. And it's something that would worldwide, in the sense of the world, be logical, justifiable. Here are people asking for independence, and we're simply acknowledging that they're independent. And that's somehow criminal, problematic? It's It's all about the framing. Moscow casts the conflict in the East Ukraine as a civil war which is what it is. But Ukraine and the West say Russia helps the separatists. But why, even if they were, why would that still be... Okay, how about this? Is the U.S. not completely immersed in Syria? Do they not still call that a Syria civil war? You see how nothing means anything in regards to Western policy? It's just whatever they say is happening. Sound familiar to what we're dealing with today in our own country? How is it a civil war if the U.S. is completely immersed in what's happening there, literally occupying area? But over here, you can't prove that's happening in the Donbass region because it's pretty clearly not, in my opinion. Even if they have people involved with them on the ground, you don't have occupation bases, right? But apparently it's no longer a civil war because you Russia is helping them. They support them openly. You see what I mean? This is all about framing, and it's embarrassing. If you are watching this and you can't see the overlap with Syria and elsewhere, you're ridiculous. Because it's so very clear that at the very least, even if Russia's doing what they say they're doing, that the U.S. government is being impossibly hypocritical with all of this. They cast the conflict in the east as a civil war. But russia they say Russia's helping on the ground, something, by the way, Moscow denies, which should be factored in. You can call Russia a liar, but if they deny it, how about we prove it then? Same in the reverse. Exactly. Always the same. Both sides. Russia has issued more than 700,000 passports to residents of eastern Ukraine since separatists seized territory there in 2014, shortly after Russia annexed Crimea, souring relations with Kiev in the west. Okay, here's a ridiculous point. Are we going to pretend that Russia is forcing 700,000 people to take passports and move to to their country? Sure, it's possible. Or how about we just be honest with ourselves and realize that this is 700,000, almost a million people who were rushing to get the hell away from Ukraine and asking for passports in Russia, and they gave them to them, just like with Crimea that wanted it, voted for it, went. See how hard it is to prove their narrative? It's always right on the surface, guys. This is the reality. Now whether that doesn't then mean Russia is the good guy, it just simply means that these people do not support what's happening in Ukraine. And the government of the United States and everybody else including the Ukrainian puppet government are just trying to drag them kicking and screaming back into their own country as they then hurt them. Ignore them, treat them like terrorists. How does that even remotely make sense? Doesn't even does it no longer matter what these people want? That they, what they actually want for their own country or their own location or their own freedom? Kremlin spokesperson, Dmitry Peskov, said that Russia has repeatedly demonstrated its commitment to the Minsk Agreements, which, by the way, they have. Just because you say there are things they're doing that undermine that but don't prove it, does not mean that they haven't. The surface-level situation shows they have, their verbiage has shown they have, their actions have shown they have. If they've done something that undermines the Minsk Agreements, give us evidence that proves that. Now, the European Union's top diplomat warned Moscow against recognizing the region's, Saying it would be a clear violation of the Minx agreements and that Brussels supported Ukraine's independence and sovereignty. Okay, let's break that down real quick. First of all, a violation of the Minsk agreements, which you could argue definitely would. But isn't that what the U.S. government does it, as fast as it'll blink? Drop an agreement like Trump did, like 45 of them? I'm being facetious, but, or have, as Biden already has with Trump's agreements or what Trump did with Obama's agreements, they just they, they violate agreements left and right. And just pretend like he was wrong about it. The JCPOA was a bad deal, so screw it. So how is that any different? It's not. That's why it's insulting when they pretend they're doing the good, right thing and saying they're doing bad guy stuff. As you can prove, they literally just did that a hundred times over. But then Brussels, just talking about the European Union central power, which is kind of like the federal government of Europe... Supports Ukraine's independence and sovereignty. Okay, so you're good with the U.S. government violently overthrowing them and shooting people to take control and putting their puppets in. Freedom, independence, like in Iraq, right? But how does the independence of the Donbass region have anything to do with the independence and sovereignty of Ukraine? They'll, their argument is that that's their territory, but don't the people want that? And if you're if you're if you're actually pretending about independence and now it matters, don't we care that those people don't want to be part of Ukraine? You know, yes, but none of that matters. They don't care about independence and sovereignty. They care about using the words and how that makes them look and has a means to an end to their agenda. That's what it, that's what they care about. Finally, in this segment, here's February 17th, brings us to today. Don't forget that this is where this ended up. right? So all that today, and then we find out that they're claiming Russian-backed artillery strike hits kindergarten. No injuries, though. Russian-backed artillery. So what they're really meaning is these separatists, which is just like when we say Iranian-backed in, in Iraq. It's not what's happening. At least not what you could, let's prove it if you're going to pretend that these are Russian. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll take, I, I could give you a middle ground here. When you're saying Russian backed, I'll definitely argue that these people are supported by Russia. But what they want you to think when you say that is that they're there supporting them, arming them, and so on. Which I wouldn't be surprised if they're arming them. But the way they want you to see this is as if it's actually like a proxy of Russia. And that's the same play the game they do everywhere else. But before we come back to the kindergarten discussion, which is kind of the end point of today, Let's make sure you understand the timeline and how this went before they claim in a really clumsy way that a kindergarten was struck in two different places simultaneously and one of them can only be true. Or I guess neither of them can be true if we really want to break it down that way. Let's realize that this has been built on the support of openly authoritarian, openly white supremacists, openly neo-Nazi military entities and the government itself. I'll try to do this. Reasonably quick since we did this the last show. Here is Defense uh, Secretary Lloyd Austin. Lloyd Austin, October nineteenth. The timing is important. October nineteenth, twenty twenty one. Just the real quick two points I want to show you. He says, "Let me underscore what President Biden said during the Zelensky visit to Washington. Our support for Ukraine sovereignty and territorial integrity is unwavering unless they don't do what we like anymore." Which is basically what he says at the end. So we call on Russia to end its occupation of Crimea. Right? That's not what's happening. They just continue to pretend their narrative is the truth to stop perpetuating war in the Eastern Ukraine, perpetuating war. So by building up in their own territories, perpetuating war, even as that's a response to things that have already been happening right up on their border. See, see how the framing matters to end its destabilizing activities in the Black Sea, destabilizing activities. So if they just enter the Black Sea, they call that destabilizing activities, even though the U.S. government is operating right up along its borders, all the way around Russia, all the way around the world. But that's okay, though as they actively, overtly destabilize countries and do that on purpose everywhere, but they're the ones doing destabilizing activities, right? Ukraine, uh, and then it says to halt its persistent cyber attacks. I would love to see any of these arguments proven. Israel, the United States, had just they just stand up and say, they did this, see? Computers went down, and we all go, cyber attack. U.S. says, if they even add that. Why don't we prove anything anymore? Why don't they even pretend to give you evidence anymore? They just say, intelligence shows, and everyone runs with that because that's what the media does today. Is Russia carrying out cyber attacks? I have no doubt. Are they capable of it? Obviously. But if you're going to claim they did that and use that as a justification for action, maybe prove it first. But you see, they will never do that. Because I actually don't even see why it's logically, advantage- like, why it's just strategically important or relevant for Russia to be doing these things right now. It's not, and we'll make that clear in regard to Ukraine, or even specifically the separatist area, or the kindergarten itself. Now, it's saying, and the, the main point is, I want to commend Ukraine's brave men and women in uniform who continue to stand up and defend our shared values. That's the important part. He's saying this as of a few months ago. Shared values. Okay, well, let's find out what kind of shared values he's talking about. Again, here's the clip from, this is January, this is the beginning of 2021, where Time Magazine is talking about specifically the Azov Regiment. Now watch what he says before we get into explaining why clearly the Azov Regiment is integrated completely, and if not completely armed and funded and trained, being driven by the U.S. government and its allies.
1: It seems like an odd way to spend a Saturday, watching the blood sports at a festival for far-right extremists. This was in the summer of 2019, and I've gone to Ukraine to learn more about these groups. From the crowds, one thing seemed pretty clear about them. They weren't bothered by the fact that this
2: event was organized by the Azov movement, a far-right group that has increasingly been linked to violence around the world. Okay, so
0: Time Magazine, just no qualms about openly reporting that this Azov movement is dangerous. Linked to terrible things around the world, white supremacist, alt-right. I mean, there's no mincing words, right? Now, understand what right now a lot of mainstream media and even members of your own government have said to the Biden administration is that there's an alarming situation. When I'm not saying I necessarily even buy all of this because I do what I believe is that what's happening in Ukraine is being created for obvious reasons like we saw in Syria. Right. This is their next budding threat. We've already seen them talk about it. Now, it's just like in Syria, there was a real grouping of people now, whether they were actually aware of that they were being manipulated. Or that they were they were using their own religious beliefs against them, like, b- both of which are happening. Saudi Arabia has all but admitted that. Right, so in this case, I believe it's the same thing. These are real people that have really these dis- beliefs that they that they want to be cult- coddling here. They're creating this hotbed of white supremacies as they claim they're fighting that inside your country. At the very least, they're right now backing this group while they pretend they're fighting that in your country. Literally, a war against white supremacy, a war against domestic terrorism, as they're completely arming and funding this group. It does not make any sense. At the very least, it shows you that they're hypocritical and don't care about any of this stuff other than the end, just a means to an end. But the point is, mainstream, your government are saying, oh my gosh, it's a funnel. There are people right now from Germany, from the U.S., they're all funneling over here to fight for them. Don't, can't you see that we have an alarming white supremacist threat? Like, that's how they frame it. So we're willing to point out that they're going over there to join white supremacist groups, but yet we can't put together that that's the group that you're currently supporting at Ukraine. That's a choice. They're willfully not putting that together. But they want to point at how it's a threat because look at how many we have in the U.S. and they're all going over there. You see what I mean? It gets ridiculous. But here they are saying Azov Regiment and why they're dangerous, okay? This is back in 2019, September 30th. White supremacists lead new wave of foreign fighters. It says in ways that are increasingly getting the attention of Western intelligence officers, officials, These fighters, though, are not jihadists, hoping to join one of the provinces touted by the Islamic State terror groups, Virtual Caliphate, nor are they aligning themselves with a number of groups affiliated with ISIS or Al-Qaeda, you know, giving you the comparison. They're terrorists. These are right-wing extremists and white supremacists, and they are traveling to Ukraine in numbers reminiscent of the movement of fighters to Syria in the earliest days of the conflict. Yep, just like we know now that that was absolutely facilitated by groups like Turkey and the U.S. government, same thing is happening here. This is a plan, in my opinion. A very significant number are white extremists, says Jason Blazakis, a senior researcher at the Sufan Center for, uh, and a professor at the Middlebury Institute of International Studies. 800 fighters from Belarus, hundreds more coming from Germany, Georgia, Serbia, dozens of countries across Europe. That's in some ways to, uh, not too different from what you saw with ISIS. What they're talking about, as I said, one of the most prominent destinations for these fighters is the Azov Battalion, a pro Ukrainian force that analysts say has embraced neo Nazi views while targeting right wing or white supremacist groups around the world for recruitment. Now, that's a very soft way to report that. You'll see as we get into this that this is the National Guard. This is part of the immersed military. They just quietly kind of keep that from you in a lot of ways. The point being, your government's aware of this. In 2019, Voice of America simply going, look, where well, they know your government's increasingly concerned about this thing. But don't forget, we just told you, since 2014, they've already been supporting, funding, arming, growing, this whole thing. So it's interesting that they're kind of simultaneously going, this is a threat, white supremacy, while quietly, hopefully, they thought, building it, growing it, creating the very thing that they're going to potentially justify, use to justify their future actions. Well, here is Newsweek from January 5th, 2022, last month, look at what it says. A year after 1-6, and I point this out, they're just trying to make this like 9-11. That's why I played the clip in the beginning. This is meant to cross back over into what's happening in Canada and the United States. They're framing this surge of white supremacy and alt-right stuff as the next 9-11, the next 1-6. That's what they're trying to do. So we need to be very concerned about why this weird budding growing problem of the same thing they don't want you to know about in the very country they're now defending is not discussed. Ukraine's war draws U.S. far right to fight Russia. Look at that. Newsweek is literally telling you the group that your government is defending is a budding white supremacist entity that's drawing people from our country, that's what they're saying, that are like that. Training for violence at home. Here's what it says. Uh, since we interviewed uh, members of white supremacy group called the uh, Adam Waffen Division, now known as the Socialist the National Socialist Order, who has sent members to Ukraine to train Ukraine, he said, "Where neo-Nazi militias have recruited white supremacists from around the world to join their fight against Russia and advance racist ideology." So, as your government, the U.S. government stands with them to fight against Russia. They're they're openly, without telling you that advancing racist ideology because this is one of their focal points. Isn't that interesting? I wonder why CNN fails to report that to you. Where right-wing violence has killed, they say such ideology has real world effects at home. Where right-wing violence has killed more people since 9-11 than attacks motivated by Islamist fundamentalism. Just aggressive propaganda. Those efforts to attract misguided youth young men propagate racist conspiracy theories and incite violence are inseparable from the so-called lone wolf attacks we see here in the United States. You see the crossover? This is not even quiet. They're just, this is the same thing. So why is you Biden and the government openly standing with them? There's no answer there. Investigative journalist Kuzmenko is among the leading figures bringing this lurking reality to light. He specializes in research on Ukraine's internationally active far right, as well as its access to the Western military training that is provided to the Ukrainian armed forces. Oops, right right now, that's, that's January 5th, 2022. He says the proliferation of white nationalist ideology in the military, not just that one group, and security forces of the, of Ukraine is an understudied topic. Quote, since the 2014 meeting revolution, which by the way, remember, we're telling you, it's very clear, take the time to look into this, is something as, at the very least, the Ukraine intelligence said was put on by the Western military. Western forces assassinated protesters to use that to frame them to drive in. That's what a false flag actually looks like. That's what a false flag actually looks like. They shoot civilians, they claim it was the government, they use that as their justification to move in, and that's a false flag psyop. That's what that looks like. See why it's kind of embarrassing that the U.S. is trying to frame what they're doing now the same way? Or I should say what happened the same way? The the maiden revolution, which they clearly created, the government, military, and security forces have institutionalized in its ranks former militias and volunteer battalions linked to neo-Nazi ideology. Kuzmeco told Newsweek, quote, one of the leading people in this regard, without screening for extremist ties or views, their integration has not led to depolitization and or dissolution once incorporated within the larger body of the government, military or security forces. In fact, it's completely taken over. It says a high uh, he uh, he cites as a prominent example, the Azov Special Operations Detachment, a much bigger name now, right, because they're much they are a prominent part of this military. Also known as the Azov Battalion or Azov Regiment, it was established by the Ukrainian Ministry of the Interior. Sounds quite different than what we just heard a moment ago, right? After the conflict broke out in 2014. So after it happened, after they took control, this this group was established by the Ukrainian Ministry of the Interior. Don't forget, which we just told you, was completely being driven, funded, armed, and, and controlled by the U.S. government. So they created a white supremacist, or at the very least tapped into specifically the sole obvious white supremacist neo-Nazi group and said them. Hired, created, established by the Ministry of the Interior, the group that we just know was put in place by the U.S. government after this all stopped, or rather they after it happened, after the conflict broke out, and was later transferred to the National Guard so all the way today, that's still the case. And that's, this is the group that they're supporting. Kuzmeko calls the regiment a highly capable and heavily armed unit reported, reportedly numbering 11,000 or more fighters, hundreds, excuse me, 1100 or more fighters. That is also military wing of the internationally active Azov movement. Internationally active. Your government knows this. This is the budding threat that they're building, in my opinion. Via Azov's political wing, the National Course Party, described by researchers as neo-Nazi, the movement, guess what, has gone international on multiple fronts. With known contacts in Germany's neo-Nazi third party, even America's rise above movement. Why don't they care about America's rise above movement? Isn't that interesting? Because it's directly causing, connected to the Azov movement, which is an openly neo-Nazi group that your government's supporting in Ukraine. So are they waging a war against domestic terrorism, white supremacy? Why don't they... You See what I'm saying? This is a, I, I bet you the rise above movement is going to become something as prominent and how they use to justify what they're going to do. Just keep an eye out for it. Contacts via other branches of the movement that draw less attention but may carry equally dangerous implications. Neither the Azov regime nor the National Corps responded to Newsweek for request to comment. I wonder why. Ukrainian Foreign Ministry and the Ukrainian Defense Ministry also failed to respond. As Kuzmenko points out, Washington has long recognized the danger posed by the Azov regiment. Oh, really? Okay, so your government has long recognized why this is such a dangerous group despite cultivating, growing, coddling, arming, and keeping them there. For example, language introduced in 2018 to the government spending bill and maintained since then, (laughs) banned using U.S. funds for the provision of arms, training, or other assistance to that specific unit. Oh, but too bad now because now they're basically the entire government, right? Or the National Guard, I mean, that regiment, I mean, that's the ideology that's taken over as Koumenko just told you, Kuzmenko. And the fact that it's not just the Azov Regiment. We're talking about an entire military, National Guard, obviously. But because they write down on a piece of paper that the Azov Regiment can't get arms, okay, we'll give it to the one next to them. We'll give them double. Simple as that. Oh, then they just give it to them right next to them. Oh, it's part of the same military. Or how about they just give it to the Ukrainian government, and they give it to the Azov Regiment, which is what's happening. In 2019, 40 lawmakers signed a letter asking for the Azov Regiment to be declared a foreign terrorist organization. And yet they're still there, yet they're right now the very entity that's training civilians to fight against Russia, and your government's still funding, arming, and promoting them. The Azov Regiment's active far-right recruiting efforts were also brought to the attention of the Biden administration in a letter by Democratic Representative Elisa Slotkin. She gave a letter to Anthony Blinken in April. Isn't that interesting? Of course. Of course they don't link to it. Okay, so the a Democratic representative of your government can go to the Biden administration, go to st- the Secretary of State, and say, these people are terrorists. In fact, I know you know that because we've already talked about it, because we've already told them past laws that say we can't directly fund them. Why are we working with them? <laughs> That's the point. The State Department sent a brief reply to Newsweek's request for comment on whether the presence of far-right elements or in allies with Ukraine's armed forces or the travel of U.S. citizens to Ukraine to fight Russia and associate with these groups were a concern. Guess what they said? The United States is committed to Ukraine's sovereignty, independence, and territorial integrity in the face of unprovoked Russian aggression. That's it. So you don't care then, by omission. You don't care. You don't care that people are running over there to work with them, even though you scream that that threat of Russia, of, of white supremacy in our country, is the biggest threat, the we just literally aimed our entire policy on domestic terrorism, but it's okay they go work over there with them. It's okay that we support them, arm them, fund them, and back them against Russia. We stand with their sovereignty. That's it. The United States is committed to Ukraine's sovereignty. Both the FBI and Department of Justice just declined to comment. Yeah, because they're currently waging a war against white supremacy? Clearly. Clearly. Ukrainian government that receives billions of dollars in UK assistance as of this day. Quote, U.S. influence in Ukraine is very clear, and Washington has been able to press the country on reforms it deems necessary. So the point is... Apparently de-radicalizing the Ukrainian military and the security forces of its far-right elements is simply not on Washington's wish list. They just don't care. In fact, I argue they went out of their way to make sure that it not only didn't stop, but that it got better, bigger, larger. It grew. They very clearly have the ability to push reforms. They have, but they didn't want this one to go away. Shortly after, uh, I think I'll leave it there. Oh, let me, there's a couple, the last two points here. I'll, I'll finish since I almost went through it. Now, it says shortly after coming to the office in January, Biden's top Pentagon chief, Lloyd Austin, announced an unprecedented review of extremism rooted in the U.S. military, right? Because clearly he cares about that, except he obviously is supporting their defended and shared values with the same thing. Because that makes sense, right? We're going to root out this extremism in our military, but we're going to arm and fund and support the shared values of that same thing in Ukraine. They're lying to you. Outright creating a fabricated threat about these riots on 1-6. Acting out on the violence preaching by such thinking, however, even in the name of another country's national defense, appears to be where Washington draws the line doesn't matter. We don't care. They're they're white supremacists, but we're allowing... The point is, just like with Syria, they will use whatever they can to achieve their goals. BuzzFeed News first reported in October that the Department of Justice and the FBI took the rare move of opening a case against former U.S. Army soldier Craig Lang and six other U.S. citizens for their alleged roles in torturing separatists while fighting with far-right forces in Ukraine where he traveled 2015. You know why that's so important? That's incredibly important because... They were torturing the very people that we're pointing, that right now they're pointing at and pretending that Russia is abusing them like puppets. The Donbass region. These are American soldiers, Craig Lang and six others, who went there and... Broke the law. Tortured these people. In fact, we're openly fighting alongside what? Right-wing forces. White supremacist neo-Nazi forces who were doing what? Fighting the separatists. Wait a minute. Isn't that what they're talking about right now? Isn't that what they claim Ukraine is doing, that the US government is supporting them in doing? Yes. You see, you cannot mix, you cannot break these conversations apart. Your government is unabashedly supporting a very clear neo-Nazi government and their military, which is openly conducting this and bringing people in from all around the world. One of which is Craig Lang, which they they try to pretend this is how they were dealing with it. But no, it's not just seven people. It's the entire group. And I think this is very clear. We'll make it even more clear as we go forward. Oh, that's interesting. Oh so this was the point I made the other day showing you that these are the people that they're, they're training children old women Ukraine far right offers training to civilians right so there then you can see right there Ukraine's far right Azov battalion right this, look look this is 20 this is 2022 this is February 13th so Azov battalion right now the one we just told you this this openly white supremacist this is them right there you can see their group you, Newsweek, as of last month, is telling you they're a, gr- a terrible terrorist group that our own government knows about and has been concerned about, and yet nothing stops, nothing happens. You don't care that they're they're literally arming children and women. Who cares, right? Well, here is Radio Free, Liber- or, um, Radio Free Europe. Back in 2018, Azov, Ukraine's most prominent ultranational group, sets sights on us and Europe. They're openly telling you we are actively recruiting from your. How does that even make sense to the narrative? Here's the Guardian from seven years ago. Azov fighters are Ukraine's greatest weapon. Okay, this brings us to an an extension of this discussion to bring it into the CIA conversation, right? Here's a, here's a, a video from February 15th, 2022. Dispatch, American combat veterans train Ukrainian civilians for war. So guess what? That conversation about sending American soldiers over there to train these people is happening right now literally right now so not only are there all they're very clearly undeniably and I'll show you next American soldiers on the ground boots on the ground in ukraine which your media will lie about but they're openly training civilians to fight Russia and guess what they're in a battalion that I'll prove to you is an openly white supremacist battalion at the very least has been working right alongside the azov battalion which by the way don't forget is the National guard and immersed with the interior of ministry because that's you can't get away from that so the fact that they're there doing that means they're alongside this entity. Let's take a look. I...
3: This is the Ukrainian Revolutionary War. This this is their 1776.
0: I mean, ask yourself why it's even okay. Ah, hold on, i have kept to refresh. YouTube breaking itself to stop us. Love it. Now, ask yourself why it's even acceptable. Like, Why is it even acceptable for American soldiers to just decide to go over and fight for another country? Especially when there's politically, uh, when the uh, the military is involved, very clearly. Let's not pretend this is not just a couple of freedom fighters that want to go over there and help for freedom. The military is on the ground. This has been put there by the military. That's what we just explained to you. They've been training them since 2014 forward. So why does this make sense to anybody? Is it, Why wouldn't this then be seen as the same thing they're claiming Russia's doing in the separatist area? You know what? It's identical. But, a, but as long as they're there because the U.S. good guy, freedom, blah, 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 it's okay. That's the only difference. That's called hypocrisy. So what's the uh, training objective for
3: today? Just get them familiar with the AK. Teach them how to load it and shoot it. Uh, the raw basics for the insurgency. <laughs> you know the the Russians are stacking up on the border. Ukraine has every right to be a sovereign country. Uh, same-
0: I mean, just think about how embarrassing this is. Like this is there are if they believe this, then they're just one yet another American soldier that's been completely brainwashed by the government has no idea what's going on. Right. The reality being whether these civilians here are, are, are genuine Ukraine citizens that want to stand up. We're talking about a country that's been overthrown by a foreign power, and that's easy to prove. And, and, and here they are standing up to defend against what exactly? The fact that Russia's moved troops within its own country? Like, the argument that they may invade, that's fine. You could say that all day long, but it hasn't happened. And there's no e- indication whatsoever that they did this for any other reason than to match what's happening on the other side of the border. How can you frame that as a possible invasion unless you've got intelligence to suggest they will do it? And that's what they keep saying, but they never prove it. Matt Lee says, prove it to us from the AP. Ned Price says, I just did. It's like, no, you just said that you have intelligence. And he goes, yep, exactly. His point being, when Ned, the U.S. government says something, that is the evidence. And that's what they're saying. We have evidence they're going to move in. Don't you know that's the evidence? You've seen this already. How embarrassing is that? So we have Russia in its own country and them loading up people with weapons and arms and getting ready and moving things forward. Who exactly is building? Think about that. Now, on top of that, recognize this is just one part of the country and one grouping of the. I mean, what about the people in Donbass? Don't they have a right to have their own opinions? But because they don't agree with what these people are doing, they're the terrorists. Classic U.S. government framing.
3: Same as the United States. And uh, I think that that's worth defending. I served with 1st Ranger Battalion from
0: 2015. A U.S. Army from Afghanistan war veteran. 2019.
3: You know, fighting the the Taliban, you see the things that they did wrong that they could have done to win against you.
0: Right, the Taliban, right? Aren't you glad you fought them as they're now in power in, in Afghanistan, right? All those times your friends that died, all the people you killed, all the things you destroyed, growing poppies. Yeah, it's all perfectly worth it now that they're in charge, right? I mean, how disgusting is that? But that's exactly, it doesn't matter. But recognize that's one of those people that's there as a U.S. entity, very clearly.
3: So I want to take those skills and I, I want to apply them so that we can exploit the
2: weaknesses uh, of a conventional occupying force. Well, these guys who are here now, they are physically defending democracy. They are the real face. Okay.
0: Now, now we've got the commander of the Georgian National Legion. OK, well, we're going to look at that group and look at the ties of that group. And so right now, what we see very clearly is U.S. personnel there alongside the Georgia National Legion. Just remember that.
2: Their country and they are showing the will of their nation. For me, these guys are heroes already, heroes who came by his own will here and who is trying to help. Does that send a
0: message to Ukraine that you're here with
2: them
3: and stand with them? In their uh, yeah, of course. The the reinforces it reinforces their will to fight back, and it gives a lot of different motivating factors for yeah. Ukraine.
0: U.S. Army Iraq war veteran. You see Americans uh, right here. Civilians are super motivated. And, and don't miss the patches on their shoulders and the group. I mean, the point is that they're there as American uh, soldiers, right but they're fighting alongside these groups. And with these groups, and training these groups, and helping these groups, and I'm going to show you what these groups are.
4: Civilians are super motivated. They're always out here. They're always training. Okay,
0: and now here's another example. Here's an American who is, in fact, on the Georgian National Legion. Look at that, right? This is exactly what we're talking about, and exactly what even Newsweek was concerned about. Do this for like six hours at a time you know
4: long cold days and they're you know they're with it a lot of them are getting like good solid
3: six five inch groupings they're gung-ho about it. it it's sad to see the everyday person having to take up arms and fight like this for their country it's inspiring but it's sad at the same time
2: Today, every, uh, every Ukrainian is willing to defend his family and his country, so they're very much <laughs>
0: God dang it. Now, here's a great example. See, I love how his shirt says, for dream, right? For dream, it says. Brave dream, it says. Right. Now ask yourself why it makes any sense whatsoever for the Georgian National Liberation Group that is not predominantly English to have English writing on their shirts. It's sort of like the the white helmets be having, say, white helmets in English on the back of their shirts. Why would that be? Because it's aimed at you. That's why. Because they're not really the white helmets. They're not really the Syrian civil defense group. They're a propaganda entity that's been framed and created for the fake purposes of pretending they are. Now, I'm not suggesting this is a fake group, only to recognize that this has been funded, armed, and grown, and cultivated by the Western powers. That's the point. And
2: they want to uh, get organized, and they have a right to get organized and uh, to resist Russian aggression.
0: Right, Russian aggression. Exactly where is the Russian aggression? Moving troops inside of your own territory. That's Russian aggression, right? That's all it needs. But moving troops of the U.S. entities all around the world in other countries, overthrowing countries, destroying, stealing their food, that's not that's not destabilizing aggression, though. That's fighting for freedom. See the difference?
3: A lot of young ukrainians they're the first generation of independence in their country, something that their families and people have wanted for centuries. So, you know, it's not something that they're obligated to do, but they want to do it.
0: I mean, these people are just wanted for centuries. Right, the idea that that this country was was recent—I mean, the idea that it was overthrown by a foreign power and now this is them fighting for their freedom. Like, how does that even make sense? What are you? How are you fighting for your freedom? Are we pretending the separatists are trying to take your whole country from you? You see how clumsy this framing is. You're talking about a small area that is fighting for their own independence and how that is somehow infringing on your freedom is beyond me. But you see, that's all—they're desperate to frame this. 1776, they're fighting for their independence. What are you talking about? If they were fighting for their independence, it would be them fighting away from the country, not to pull people back in. I mean, this is just bad narrative. They 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 hope you just don't care enough. Now, they, look. The bottom line: this is clear. This is American troops on the ground fighting. Oops, I just realized something. I wanted to check real quick. <clears throat> Test one, two. Oh wow, that's probably way too loud. Hope my mic wasn't too loud this whole time, guys. I have, I have different settings from house to here. Shoot, that's unfortunate. Continuing. American troops on the ground. Funding, arming, supporting these people who are openly working alongside them. So we're talking about the Georgian, uh, where was it? Let's go back and find it real quick right here. The Georgian National Legion, okay? Now, not one that I would necessarily point to as Oh, and to be clear, by the way, we're talking about not Georgia, like Georgia the country, for those that don't know that, not not Georgia inside the United States. Now, here we're talking about a group that I wouldn't say is as obviously problematic as the Azov Battalion, but remember how immersed, the, as, the, as even Newsweek was just telling you, all of this has come. Let me actually, Marshall, since you just chimed in, let me know if the sound now is too low or if it's good now or where we are. Okay, continue. Okay, it was fine. Somebody said, okay, let me know if I just made it too low. <laughs> I'll switch it right back. So the point being, But Mike has been peeking a bit. Okay, good, good. So going forward, here's 2019. This is the conversation, really quickly, about Lang and why it seems like they're trying to pretend that there was some kind of accountability going on. Former U.S. soldier who fought with Ukrainian far right militia wanted for U.S. murder. And it says uh, Craig Lang reportedly fought in Ukraine with a militant group called the Right Sector. Now, the Right Sector is also a group that we're talking about that's working with what we're talking about here. Now, it says, uh, Mumlashevili, crazy name, but this is a person who's talking about. Said that after leaving right sector, Lang joined the Legion of Foreign Fighters. He called Lang a very good specialist. Now, what we're talking about here is that these people are working with specifically. Hold on, there we go. I guess I forgot to highlight it. He commanded this guy who's speaking commanded the group of pro Kiev foreign fighters in the Georgian National Legion. This is the guy we're talking about. This is the guy that worked alongside Craig Lang. Craig Lang is the guy that they're telling you is a bad guy. Former U.S. soldier who fought with Ukrainian far-right militia wanted for murder. And they're claiming he killed people in Florida, ran away, and joined these alt-right militias. That's the time, obviously, before they wanted you to not know about this, right? So this is my point. The far-right sector is one group he worked with, but as well as the Georgian National Legion. He says he joined Lang, joined his legion of foreign fighters. He called Lang a very good specialist. Now he says he didn't stay that long, but he says that he was unaware of Lang's trouble with Ukrainian and U.S. law enforcement. But he said that before fighting with him in Eastern Ukraine, the Ukrainian security service performed a background check on him. Apparently it didn't matter though. According to those charges, uh, charging documents, Smith, a 24 year old who had been stationed at a nearby army base, discussed in fa- on Facebook in 2016 and later dates that he was interested in traveling to Ukraine to fight with the Azov battalion. Another paramilitary, paramir- excuse me, paramilitary unit, that has fought against Russian-backed separatists and also espouses an ultranationalist ideology. Human rights groups have accused al Battalion of committing war crimes. Okay, the issue of U.S. white supremacist organizations being drawn to Ukrainian groups is a concern that was apparently raised by U.S. law enforcement back in 2017. Okay, well, apparently they all care. You FBI, they are, they're concerned, but then when you ask them for quote from Newsweek in January of this year, they, rec- they decline to comment. Right. So what you're concerned, apparently, but not enough to say we're concerned now. Why, guys? What are you hiding? Isn't that interesting? It says that year, the FBI warned that Azov's military wing is, quote, believed to have participated in training and radicalizing United States based white supremacy organizations. The statement came as part of a case against the California man who traveled to the Ukrainian capital, Kiev, to participate in a fight club with Ukrainian ultranationals. You know, the fight club that we talked about right in the beginning, this fight club. Right. You see how it all swings together like this is not a secret. These, are, This is the Lane guy who these people work with, whether far right reach or the Georgia National Liberation. The political wing called National Corps was funded by the former commander of the Azov Battalion. So, again, when they, when they keep trying to make this Aza Battalion like one small piece of this, it is immersed and crossed over with the entire government, the military. It has been labeled by the U.S. State Department as a nationalist hate group. But apparently they don't care about that now, and they're working right alongside them. Okay, the point being, Craig Lang, who they pretend they're fighting and trying to investigate and trying to arrest, who, by the way, right now is apparently in the process, but he's living freely in Ukraine with his wife and his kid right now, even though he wears an ankle bracelet. That's the truth, by the way. Really trying to get him, aren't they? He's living freely right now in Ukraine. That guy worked with the group that I just pointed out right there, who right now is openly training people in Ukraine at the support and behest of the U.S. government. Pretty hard to miss, isn't it? But we're fake news because they don't want you to see this stuff. Well, here's Craig Lang. Discussions of him as of today, interestingly enough. Isn't that weird? All of a sudden, the the conversation of Craig Lang just comes back. They want you to know they're fighting bad guys over there, right? U.S. Department of Justice will waive the death penalty for Craig Lang. Interesting an army veteran who fought with a far right paramilitary unit in Ukraine and whom authorities have charged with the killing of a married couple in Florida. So here they are willing to say he worked with these bad guy alt-rights simultaneously reporting that those alt-rights are the one fighting for freedom against Russia right now. Great job, mainstream media. This is today. You see, these these two things are not meant to be connected in people's minds. They want you to know there's alt-right baddie, baddie guy stuff over there. But they also want you to think the ones they support, which are the same groups, are the ones fighting for freedom right now in Russia or in Ukraine against Russia. The case is being closed, wa- closely watched by U.S. officials and experts studying far right extremism who have been increasingly concerned about Americans who travel to Ukraine and train with far right militia groups. Clearly, right? Can't you tell how increasingly concerned they are as they just watch their people and send them over there to openly talk about it? Right, Americans that are here, can't you tell how concerned they are? Isn't it obvious? We're so concerned about sending people over there to fight alongside them and train them. This is what propaganda looks like, guys. During a status hearing held in uh, via Zoom in Fort Myers on Monday, Jesus Casas, assistant U.S. attorney for the Middle District of Florida, told the court to waive away capital punishment in hopes of expediting, ex- expediting Lang's extradition from Kiev, where he currently where he currently resides under limited house arrest. It's where he says you. I have another article that points out, you know, just right now, living in Ukraine with his wife and his kid. Oh, and this has been ongoing for years. You could tell how much they want to get him, right? Clearly, if it was somebody they pretend they're fighting, they would probably have already assassinated him and thrown his body in the ocean and pretended like it all went the way they said it did, right? But nope, not this guy. There's more going on here. Here's BuzzFeed from 2022, January. So just last month, NATO won't put troops in Ukraine, except they already did, right? That's the dumb part about that. They already did. They've been doing this since 2014. And you can literally watch it on their video, right? You see what I'm saying? Like, whether they pretend when they say troops, they're talking about a battalion or a regiment or doesn't matter. These are troops on the ground, boots on the ground. But here's BuzzFeed towing the line. You tell, you make sure you tell them what the government told you to say. Great journalism, guys. Ukrainians are fighting for what America was fighting for freedom. Sure. Members of the Georgian Legion paramilitary group train at their base, right? There it is. Same group. Same group, work with Lang, work openly, work with a white supremacist entity with openly racist mentalities. That's them. That's what they're pointing at and saying, we're fighting for freedom. You see, it's that easy to point out. He, he, we, he walked and talked like a, and, and dressed like a Ukrainian soldier. And according to a contract with its armed forces, he is one. But Private Aidan Johnny Aslan is a British citizen with the Midlands accent and no formal orders from his home government to be fighting on the battlefield. Great. So now we've got UK soldiers jumping over there to fight for no reason. Fighting with a white supremacist entity that is working and had been working with the group and the guy that pretend is the worst of the worst. The Aza Battalion and the guy that they're trying to arrest. But here they are apparently fighting for freedom with U.K. soldiers. And this article is framing it as a a great thing. They're standing up for freedom. Quote, it was my own decision to come here to fight with the white supremacists. They left that part out. 27-year-old told BuzzFeed News in a ravaged village just north of the Sea of Azov. Interesting tie in there. It says President Joe Biden warned Thursday it's likely to be a large-scale attack in February. Go hurry up, Biden. You only got a a couple weeks left. You already missed a couple deadlines already. The Ukrainian military has approved limited recruitment and vetting of prospective for prospective foreign fighters. So, see, this is where they pretend they're they're vetting them. We're trying to weed out the white supremacists. Does that despite that being like the core idea of this military, we have the green light. Says who? Mamula Shivalia, whatever his name was, the former Georgian military officer. Okay, so they're trying. We're reading out the bad guys as we point to the leader of the group that we just saw training alongside the very people we're talking about. Right there. That's the guy.
2: Oh, here and he's Hold on. I want to get his name up there. Here and he's to right there. The okay, there
0: he is. Right? Here's his name Ma, uh, Mamulashivli. That's an interesting name. There he is right there, right? The guy we just made clear, tied in, crossed over with all the same stuff. Here he is again. Yet on on uh, the the BuzzFeed news, framing it as fighting for freedom. Isn't that interesting? I just jumps from one side to the other. A former Georgian military officer who now commands an English-speaking force of volunteer fighters, known as the Georgia National Legion. Right. Fighting for freedom. Good stuff. Funded and armed by the U.S. government. Can't you tell? Quote, if they all come at once, we'd have a very good battalion, he says. Now the looming threat of a new assault by Russia has spurred fresh interest. He said he's received more than 30 inquiries. Quote, guess what? Mostly from the U.S. and the U.K. and one from Germany. Well, we literally just pointed out that the Newsweek at last month was pointing out the same thing, but from a different angle, weren't they? Saying that they were getting all of this stuff from those same places, but they were all running over here to join white supremacy groups. Right here, he says the movement has gone international on multiple fronts, with contacts in Germany, America's movement Rise Above, or is the other one? I guess that was the only one. In any case, showing you that these are people coming from all over the place. Isn't that interesting? Here's the Guardian, as of yesterday, telling you in a completely ridiculously contradicting article, right? On one side going, look at them all fight for freedom right here in this exact location. And here's the Guardian saying, checks at UK airport over fears far-right extremists may travel to Ukraine, right? So BuzzFeed's going, yay, they're fighting for freedom, even coming from the UK, right? He's there in his own accord fighting for freedom. And they're going, "All oh, it's just, this is ridiculous to me. British authorities have concerns about neo-Nazis seeking weapons training and military experience. This is the same thing. These are the same groups, the same training. This is the Azov Battalion. British authorities are worried that the current threat of a Russian invasion of Ukraine may attract far extremists from the UK who could travel to the country seeking weapons, training, and military experience. The checks come after at least half a dozen known neo-Nazis traveled to Ukraine from a US and European countries last week. Didn't they just talk about getting 30 recruits? Last autumn, Kiev deported two American men with links to neo-Nazi groups in their homeland, BuzzFeed reported. He's talking about the people that are trying to pretend are the only ones of the problem. The Security Service of Ukraine, the SBU, who remember, was the group in 2014 that took control, not the defense, not the defense ministry. The group that clearly was part of the issue, the the lies, the manipulations, said at the time that men, quote, tried to join one of the Ukrainian militia units in order to gain combat experience, which the representatives of the group planned to use in illegal activities. Uh Uh-oh. Are we really going to pretend that the SBU, the very clearly white nationalist aligned group and entity that Tesk led their sense going forward, is now quibbling about illegal activities? This is clearly white uh, uh, West propaganda. Western leaders have warned that Russia may be planning an invasion of Ukraine after Moscow amassed more than 130,000 troops. I'd love to see some proof. At least 60% of its ground forces. Right. So when that becomes 175, you can see we're talking about a ridiculous portion of their forces. A ridiculous portion. This is comical, that they're trying to pretend this is what's happening. Western intelligence officials floated this week as a possible time to launch the attack. Russia has armed and funded an insurgency since 2014. (laughs) is that great? And and though the conflict is largely frozen, exchanges of fire continue. So here we are framing exactly the opposite. Russia has armed and funded an insurgency. They're talking about the, the separatists who are fighting for their own independence. Now, could they be involved? Of course they could. But we have a known insurgency and a known regime change from the U.S. government. And that doesn't matter. The U.S. officials have warned that Russia could be preparing a false flag incident. Never proved it in any way. Just simply going, they could be doing this. And what this ultimately amounts to is anything, everything means nothing, and anything means anything. It's, well, a false flag. So if they don't do something, that means they knew, and they stopped, and they pulled back, and they're going to do it again later. Or it could be a cyber attack. Or it could be that they do something and frame it a different way. It, doesn't, it could be a lot of different things. So it means nothing. That's what they're actually saying. They even float that it could be a cyber attack right as they frame this one as maybe being the false flag. It's clumsy. It's as clumsy as I've ever seen this, just like with COVID-19. Now, it says in 2014, when Russian proxies attacked in the East, the Ukrainian government took all the help it could get, including from far right extremists. Oops, now they're quietly kind of saying, well, they did kind of work with these groups. And it was kind of accepted because, we, you know, bad guy Russia. But by the way, it never stopped. Over time, these battalions were integrated with the country's army and National Guard. Here is even the Guardian telling you, admitting this, right there, they are integrated with the army and the Guard, all of it. So it doesn't matter how you frame this. The U.S. government is openly working with a white supremacist group, right there, on its face, no question. The most notorious far-right grouping is the Oslo Battalion, neo Nazi symbols, and everything we've already shown you open views. It was accused three years ago of actively seeking British recruits. Right? Here we are. where They've immersed themselves and they're bringing people over. BuzzFeed is framing it like a great thing. He did this. Oh, it's my own decision to come here. Freedom. And the Guardian's like bad guy stuff. Isn't that dumb? How, it's, same time frame. In recent years, political and media concern about foreign, recruitments of, foreign recruitment of violent extremists has focused predominantly on Islamist radicals seeking to join groups like Islamic State. However, far-right radicals also pose a serious threat to their home societies if they return with combat experience. The U.S. is seeking to extradite, uh, uh, you know, Craig Lang, which we just talked about. Why? Because he's doing things that they're now openly doing everywhere, but they don't care about. How does that even remotely add up? I don't believe Craig Lang is actually being extradited, or he ever will. FBI Director Christopher warned in 2019 about increasing numbers of white supremacists seeking military experience abroad. Yeah, because they keep floating this idea as they build and fund and foment exactly that threat right over here. Almost like they're building the 9-11 and just can't see how to stop it, right? We are starting to see radically motivated violent extremists connecting with like-minded people right over there. And here we are standing alongside them and fighting rash bad guy Russia. Well, from 2001 to 8 October... Feed reports the DOJ is investigating Americans for war crimes allegedly committing while fighting with far right extremists. The probe involves seven men, but it centered around the Army soldier Craig Lang. So back then they're willing to point this out, bad guy stuff and far right, blah blah blah. And then here we are pointing at the exact same thing, not even a year later, and acting like it's all about freedom. That's how ridiculous the mainstream media is, openly supporting this. Now bringing this to the timeline again before we get into the false flag, the reality here is this is very obvious. It's important to understand how this has been driven and how the timeline has been overtly lied about. Here is August 5th, 2021, where for whatever reason, uh, Atlantic Council just stood up and said, time to tell Russia they're wrong about Crimea again. Nudging people. Here, it's time to start the narrative, right? Get going. Even though Crimea voted to be over there, we need to stand up and say, we are having an issue with Crimea. Just like we saw Lloyd stand up and say in October, right? August, October. It's almost like he was driven to it. Right? right after they say that, he stands up and goes, they need to stop the occupation of Crimea. Why and where? Why was this all of a sudden a big focal point? Because it, they, there was an agenda that was about to kick off. Let's point to that again. Time to remind them, Atlantic Council says. Okay. Then September 20th, right after they say, you know, I mean, let, what, what is that? A, a month later. A month later after Atlantic Council says, time to start something over there, the U.S., And all of its allies, NATO allies, holds military drills inside of Ukraine. Remember moments ago where they said, we don't have people in Ukraine and we won't allow it to happen? Well, they they did it right before they said that. They literally had boots in the ground. And don't forget, they also already still do right now. Right this moment in Ukraine, training people to fight Russia. Here is the point. Ukraine holds military drills with U.S. forces, NATO allies inside Ukraine. So here we are with the drills. September 20th, training, planning, as like we just told you, to overthrow Russia or to have a conflict with Russia. That's what we keep telling you. Then, November 20th, right? So at September, November, so a month later, all of a sudden, the Ukraine defense intelligence goes, guys, they're getting ready to attack. I can could, I could see it building right now, says Ukraine, a group that is an openly white supremacist Nazi entity that is literally saying That they want Russia gone, that they want these separatists removed, they're all terrorists, and we'll do anything to get there. Do something, U.S. And nobody does anything, so they go, they're doing something, now do something. Okay, prove it, Ukraine. Oh, but you know what, the U.S. government doesn't need proof. They go, okay, probably because they told them to say it. The The bottom line is, a Ukrainian government that is a puppet of the United States that's openly doing things that they're trying to pretend they're fighting everywhere else, stands up and says, Russia's doing something. That's it. And that's after they were already holding military drills. That's the crazy, stupid part about this. Now, that leads to where the Russian government says we're going to be doing exercises. They even announced it beforehand. December 23rd, large-scale landing exercises will be held in the Crimea area. Okay, now you could pretend that's in response to this, which I guarantee it was. That they're built, they're going to, not this, but this, that they're going tit for tat like they always do. And they're going to go, okay, we're going to do drills then. Okay. So they do drills right along it. Then they come back and say, we're going to do drills. They tell you we're going to do it. Okay. Then when it happens, they lose their minds. Oh my God, they're staging attacks on the border and we're all in trouble and the war is about to build. And Okay. They literally just told you a day ago, we're going to do drills. Now you could pretend that that's the other thing that they're building, But then you have to include the context that you were also just doing the same thing, which constitutes the same argument. So if that's building for them, it would be building for you too. But see, it's never about honesty and and equality and, and fair. It's all about narrative. So when they start doing drills in response to drills, the drills become attack, building, creating conflict on the border of their own country which is only a conflict because U.S. overthrew the area and put in its problem. And also, as we keep showing you, built up around the country, everywhere around Russia, all the way around, including on the other side, right over here. That's the wrong one, right here. Where was it? Right. What about Japan, South Korea? I mean, literally encircling the country. Okay. So after they have drills and they start Pretending those drills, and maybe they were, were building. Okay. That's where this all has stemmed from. And that's it. That's the story, guys. Everything else is narrative with nothing to back it up. Every part of this, including, by the way, the kindergarten. And we'll get into that at the end. Here's what they just said Russian official maintains that troops are conducting drills. So you have one person saying they're doing bad stuff, one person saying they're doing drills. Now, how about somebody proves it? Now, I wouldn't argue that Russia's on the hook to prove this because they're. If you're claiming they're doing something different than what they say they're doing, the impetus of proof is on you. Prove that they are doing something that is problematic enough to rat to whip up every part of the country into absolute frenzy about war. They won't because they can't. Because it becomes really embarrassing when you point to things that are happening within their own borders. But it says, Sergei Vershinin, Russia's deputy minister for foreign affairs, reiterated today, at the security council that's ongoing or might be over that Russian troops at the Ukrainian border remain on Russian land conducting drills. It's hard to argue with that. They're on their own property, their land, I guess. And they said they were doing drills and we know the U S did drills right before this. So you see how flimsy and embarrassing this is quote. The fact is that Russian forces were in the Russian territory and remain on Russian territory. I don't know why this is not the end of this conversation because it's very easy to prove. They added the country's government is, quote, ready for dialogue, not intimidation dialogue, but a real one, right? So that's the point. Just like with Iran, they don't want to pretend dialogue where you come in and acting like we're going to talk and all you do is bluster and force in action and say, until you do this, we're not going to do anything. That's not dialogue. That's demands. That's not what's happening right now. If you're standing on a premise that's, that's dishonest from the beginning, there's no possible dialogue. United States ambassador to the UN, Greenfield, responded to the comments by saying she hoped her Russian counterpart would announce that they have no plans to invade Ukraine. Now, you know why this is so dishonest? Do you ever hear, what? what's the always answer you get from the US government? There are no options off the table. Right. And so Russia could turn around and say, I was disappointed that our counterparts did not explicitly say they would not take this action. Same exact difference. It's just so, I get so tired of showing how dumbly hypocritical this all is. Just like the U.S. government would say, well, we don't going to take an option off the table. If they do something, then we might have to invade, right? Same thing he's going to say. That he won't, he's not going to overtly say we won't because they might have to if they do something. that's like, you know, the same point in any government's perspective, whether you think it's justified or not. Quote, instead, the U.S. government goes on to say, it was a continuation of the disinformation and the rhetoric that we continue to hear and we've heard before. What exactly? What's the disinformation? The only level of disinformation you could even try to levy at this is that they are moving troops because they want to ready for an attack. But how could you possibly prove intent like that? Right? Unless you have some kind of leaked document, but they they would never show you because they don't have it. So... There's no disinformation. This is simply the reality. And you just don't like the way that it looks. And the rhetoric we continue to hear, which is what exactly? Like it's just, the, Everything they're saying, rhetoric, disinformation, all of this is what's been constantly being... Every 30 seconds we hear, oh, it's about to happen. They're right about to invade. And they keep getting shown to be wrong. It was supposed to be 1 a.m. yesterday. Before that, it was a week before. Or that, it was two weeks before. But oh, over the Olympics, when they start, over and over. And yet we keep going with this? Quote, He's. let me just say clearly we will continue to intensify the US government says we will continue to escalate our diplomatic efforts <laughs> i love that framing and we call for russia to cease confrontation and accept our invitation to dialogue oh my god it's just this is why people hate these people because it, nobody believes that even the people in their own political situations who want to stand on their side know that they're just doing this and they're lying about their narrative because they pretend they're doing it for good reasons we will continue, intensify and escalate. It's not something you say about diplomacy. That's like saying preemptive self-defense. It's embarrassing. They are intensifying. They're escalating because that's what they're doing. They're moving troops. They're growing. They're 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 even their their rhetoric continues to get even more problematic. And that's the point. You're not seeing rhetoric from the the Russian government. They're responding to what the U.S. keeps saying. They're doing this and they're about to do that. And they're faking things here and they're doing this over there. And that, that's rhetoric. So they're going to intensify and escalate their diplomacy? That's just dumb. Nothing they're doing is diplomatic. And we call for Russia to cease confrontation. Show me the confrontation. If you think the separatists are being driven by Russia, prove that. And accept our invitation to dialogue. Well, dialogue is not do what we say and then you can come to the table, which is what they do and what they've done. But this, this is the reality of the situation. Now here is a, an article from November 1st. Russia, U.S. eyes, Russian military movement near Ukraine, right? This is how this grew. So it starts with drills. Then the Russian has, Russia government has drills. Then the U.S. says, oh, they're moving. That's how this started. Eyes, Russian movement. But they just happened to leave out inside their own country. And even though they came out and said, we're about to move for these drills, but nobody cares about that, right? Who cares that they told us ahead of time, look at the unprecedented move, they're moving militarily and we don't know. Uh, it's all framing. Jump forward to November 12th. U.S. huddles with allies over possible invasion. Okay, where did the invasion come from? Where did it turn from drills we told you we were going to have to movements we notice to they're about to invade and we all know it? You know where that changed? When the U.S. government stated that with nothing to back it up, and just continue to claim they have evidence, which Matt Lee said, no, you don't. You just said you do. And they go, yeah, that's the evidence. That's exactly what's happening. Now, I'm not saying it's not happening. I just don't see any evidence of whatsoever other than U.S. narrative and flapping of the gums that actually shows this is happening. Now, is it possible that they, fl- they put out the idea of a drill in response to U.S. drills? And the whole point was to use that as a cover to push in people to do this? Sure. That's a very valid point to make. Was it all used as a cover because they saw an opportunity? Okay, but the question would be, to what end? Is it advantageous for them to use this to overthrow Ukraine? Well, obviously it's crazy because every we already know how this is being built. Or on top of that, are any of the other actions they're claiming they're taking, like bombing a kindergarten, have any possible, even remotely strategic value? No. You know who it does for, though? the US government, the Ukrainian government, and everybody else on this side. Because it leads to the justification of everything they wanted. On the other side, it destroys everything that he at least said he's trying to accomplish. And in fact, puts them in a a a responsive position, right? Where you have to react to what they're doing next. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Sort of how it doesn't make sense for Assad to bomb children just because he's a maniac. And then give the US the exact reason they needed to go, oh, I guess we got to go back in. Oh, I really don't want to, but I got to. Yeah, that's not obvious or anything. Okay, so we see movements. Now it's an invasion. Nobody proved that. On November 23rd, the U.S. considers extra weaponry, right? So now it went from drills they knew were coming, that they're moving an invasion. And now we're going to keep funding the people that are openly white supremacist. Yep, that's what's happening over potential invasion that nobody's proven. That all stem back from drills they're conducting. The Biden administration is weighing sending military advisors and new equipment into Ukraine, which they did. This is all based on narrative. It's bluster. It's PSYOPs. This is absolute nonsense. Then remember on December 3rd is the first example of them claiming they have U.S. intelligence that says they're about to do this. 175,000 troops is absurd. It is absolutely ridiculous when you understand how much that means of their military. And then on top of the fact that there's no rationale for doing so, unless you realize they're surrounded by U.S. troops. And if this is in response to what they see building see, and that would make sense, but they have, why wouldn't they prove that then? U S intelligence says now, where was the media then? Not them talking about Fox news, CNN, CBS right now, they're bleeding every 30 seconds about how they're about to happen. Why wouldn't, if they already had intelligence, why wouldn't they say it then they were already floating the idea? Why wouldn't they come in and say, no, there's going to be an invasion because they weren't ready to do it yet. I don't know why yet. They wouldn't want you thinking about it yet. I mean, you, I mean the average person watching the TV out there. Well, everybody in the mainstream towed the line without any due diligence. U.S. warns of possible, the great, great headline. So government said they might have something. Breaking news. Do you not realize how embarrassing that is for any journalistic outlet at all? Even remotely to pretend to be journalists? To just blindly cite what the government said with no evidence? And not even said will happen, but might happen? Good God. Where is your integrity? December 4th. Same thing. New York Times, December 4th. Same thing. All of them. Everybody came out. U.S. intelligence says possible invasion. We don't get to see the intelligence, though. Well, they said it might happen at the beginning of the Olympics. Okay, didn't happen, though. Russia, but then we remember Russia, Ukraine came out in the midst of this and said that's not happening. I don't know where that actually adds up, but it did more than once. Came out and said Russian invasions really not happening. It's not imminent. Challenging what they were saying. But then that got tucked away, and it went right back to the narrative. Blinken says Ukraine's robust support an in, in increasing acute threat. How is it increasingly acute? It's just embarrassing they keep trying to hype this one day to the next when nothing's really changing other than their own actions. And they use their words to justify more action. Biden speaks within the last ditch effort to fend off an invasion that he said, oh, that's not happening. And he waves in like a child in the picture. Oh, hi, hi, Putin. U.S. State Department has ordered all non-emergency U.S. employees to leave its embassy. Right? So they, they're pulling people out left and right, coming out of there. Israel's pulling people out. And then all of a sudden, oh, and finally, don't forget, as of the 15th, Biden warns of bloody destructive war. Like that's not an increase of rhetoric based on what? No change whatsoever? Okay, well then we also have Russian expulsion as of today of the deputy ambassador, as they call it unprovoked. This is how embarrassing this stuff is. Unprovoked, they say. Right. So it's not like you're continually building up of troops around their border, you know, overthrowing countries around them, violating the NATO agreement, continuing to carry out all sorts of things that absolutely violate what any agreements. Or how about the idea that you're lying about Crimea or the idea that you're trying to pretend that they're doing so? I mean, there's a lot of ways that what they're doing is overtly contentious, if not inflammatory. And then they push their deputy ambassador out during a time in which they're clearly building rhetoric towards war and that's unprovoked? I mean, this is just so embarrassing. This is my point. Everybody sees this, even those that won't say it out loud. This is just embarrassing, clumsy narrative. Unprovoked. And this is what she says, that they kicked him out. I think I, I lost, it refreshed the page. I don't think there was anything in here. I'm going to let you listen to her, actually, though, because she's just not very intelligent. This woman is ridiculous, in my opinion. Mispronounces like 11 words in our discussion. It's it's bad. It's really bad. I don't think she even understands what she's saying. I love the intense commitment to diplomacy. <laughs> we have a very violent commitment to diplomacy. We will violently diplomacy. <laughs> it's just so funny how they're acting like everything they're doing is diplomacy. But finally, Russia-Ukraine crisis live updates. Very high risk of Ukrainian invasion. Several days, Biden says. Now we're back at that. So you missed your 1 a.m. deadline yesterday. So now in several days, they keep kicking this down the road. Several days, it's going to happen. Well, let's take a listen to what this woman had to say. And this is really bad. Okay, this is now Now we're at today. As we're getting into the narrative around the kindergarten and everything else. This is the conversation about what's going on there, what's going on before in regard to the unprovoked removal. Now, you got to listen to this. This is some embarrassing stuff. Now, this is just an audio. So uh, I think uh, let's do. I'll just I'll play from here. I think it's loud enough.
3: Thanks. Uh, First, uh, does the, the White House have any response to Moscow expelling the deputy chief admission?
0: The deputy chief admission. Right. Like an admission in regard to, you know, for immigration and whatever else, I believe. Or actually admission, I believe, for maybe diplomatic purposes. Either way, the word is admission with a D.
1: Um, okay, so Russia's actions against our deputy chief of a mission.
0: A mission. Okay, let me be very clear. You could argue one of these might be, you know, stumbling on your words. But somebody who says omission, it's not an intelligent person. Admission is the word. Or you're lazy with your speech, how you want to look at it, but don't prejudge me now. Wait to hear the rest of how she speaks. My point is Someone says admission, admission, that's that's not an accident. I'm just gonna go ahead and say that. But listen to the way listen to the rest of it. My point is not to make the insult. My point is to show you that these people they put out there are mindless. These people don't know what's going on. They are repeaters. Just like the rest of them, the spicers and whoever else you want to point at. These I would argue that the the, the presidents putting them out there don't even know what's fully going on. Do you think Biden really knows what's happening? I don't. Either way. My point is, these people are not the real people. These aren't the ones making the calls. They barely know how to tie their shoes in the morning.
1: Who was a key member of the embassy's leadership team?
3: Response to Moscow expelling the deputy chief of mission.
1: Um. Okay. So Russia's actions against our deputy chief of a mission, who was a key member of the like, that
0: sounds like she doesn't even know what the position is.
1: Embassy's leadership team was unprovoked. Uh, now, now more than ever, it is critical that our...
0: No, it's not, Andrew, it's not of mission. Just just look it up. It's admission. And that's just so we're clear, because somebody's saying that down there. It's not mission. <laughs> it's funny how I'll be... I, anyway, <laughs> just just look it up before you start timing.
1: Countries have the necessary diplomatic personnel in place to facilitate communication between our governments. The State Department has leadership team was unprovoked. Uh, now, now more than ever, it is critical that our countries have the necessary diplomatic personnel in place to facilitate communication between our governments.
0: Right. OK, so are we going to pretend that they have that in Iran or Syria or other places? Oh, that's right. You're a hypocrite. I forgot.
1: The State Department has said they consider this as an escal- escalatory step. And I would refer you I refer you to them for further comment on this. Uh, on that on
3: that subject, uh, the president said that he he believes there's
0: a high risk now of a uh, of, of a further Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, further Russian invasion? Oh, somebody's paid to toe the line, right? I'd love to see where they invaded so far, right? All this is just obvious. Yeah, you know, in perfect word, it's going to come in, in a second. Obfuscation, to say it correctly. Hope that hope we're not down. Okay, doesn't look like it. Oh, I just as I somebody said the chat was down. I just lost my train of thought. Hold on
3: escalatory step and i would refer you i refer you to them for further comment on, on this. on that subject uh the president said that he, he believes it's a high risk oh
0: right a further invasion I, th- that's pretty interesting to me right this is a member of the supposed mainstream media or corporate media not supposed but you know acting like that's a good thing saying you know evidence of further invasion so this guy words mean something so is this guy either actually saying that he believes russia has already invaded ukraine and i'm not talking about what they claim happened before you wouldn't say further invasion you would only look if, if you're going to be honest and and having and understand the meaning of your words what you would what to, if you were saying further that would imply russia invaded and and currently held parts of the territory right that's important to think about so it wouldn't be a further invasion if you claim they tried before and now they're back in Russia like which is what they try to frame earlier with different situations they like what we just discussed this is saying further invasion because he's trying to imply that it's already happened or so you know this is leaning into the narrative this is what mainstream media is literally paid to do
3: now of a, uh, of a further Russian invasion of Ukraine. Does the president plan to adjust his travel schedule or his meetings in the next couple of days to monitor the situation? Was there any discussion of canceling this trip so that he can monitor the situation in Ukraine?
1: I don't have any, any uh, updates on any travel for this president. As you know, the, the, a president deals with multiple things at one time. Uh, and so what? But as the president said, this is a, a very high risk, uh, the question that he was asked on his way to uh, to Air Force One. But as we have said, uh, we're in the window where we believe an attack could come at any time and that it would be uh, uh, preceded by a fabricated pretext uh, that the Russians use as an excuse to launch an invasion, which could take many forms.
0: Now, so it could take many forms. Right. So you don't have evidence then. Right. So what exactly is the evidence? If your evidence is that they could do something and it could be anything, how exactly is that evidence of anything? Right. I mean, let's be honest. Is th- this is possible? Oh, if it's a possible cyber attack, if it's a possible invasion, if it could be a possible m- misinformation, false so, like this means you don't know anything. This means that you, there, by default of being Russia, there's possible things that could happen. Right? That's this is ridiculous. So now they're saying, well, a false flag could take place. So that means that it could be a real thing, it could be a false thing, it could be a thing that happens. They frame a different way. They don't have evidence of anything. This is simply narrative pushing. The the, the, the whatever analogy you want to insert right there. So we
1: believe it's important that the world be watching for that pretext and that people treat any such claims with the appropriate skepticism, especially.
0: The appropriate skepticism. Skepticism. Now, again, that could be a, a fumbling over your words, but it keeps going.
1: When they come from Russian state media sources and aren't backed up by the independent media reporter. Oh, great. So that's cool.
0: So independent media. So apparently what she's saying is we're only supposed to listen to the independent media in Russia because that's the that's the real media. And that's the media they fund, obviously, which is very easy to prove, which is exactly one of the ones I pointed out the other day, which is uh, let's see. Where was that? Shoot, I lost the place of where I had that. But we had the independent media of Russia saying Oh, the drills. That's what it was. Right here? Right there. Okay. Moscow Times, independent news from Russia, right? The point is that it's very clearly funded by the very people that we're talking about, right? So in the same, in the reverse, we're talking about the independent media in the United States, except they don't want you to listen to that media, do they? They say, no, no, you can't listen to independent media. They're fake news. Well, I'll make, make sure I get my spot back here. Where were we? Right here. Right. But she's telling you only listen to the independent media in Russia because obviously we can prove that they you know this is what they claim they're doing democracy building where they're using places like the international demount uh, uh, or the um, national endowment of democracy or you know these are groups that are regime change tactics they've openly said that and they pretend they're funding media they actually put things in writing and legislation of funding foreign independent media this is manipulation this is propaganda. So think about the hypocrisy of telling them to only listen to the media they over their control, and whether you think that or not, just the independent media, meanwhile saying only listen to the state-funded media here, which is what it is, Fox News, CNN, all of it is completely state-funded, and realize that what we're talking about is the opposite and inverse of what she's telling you, because it's what they can control. That's it.
1: Reporting, Russia relies on confusion and obfuscation to
0: cover Again, there's the other one, obfuscation. Far too many of these to be accidental. Now, I, I see somebody talking about the group, the name that I, that I, the embassy discussion about the of mission. Look, if I'm wrong, I'll admit that I'm wrong. Send it to me. I literally looked it up after she said this, and I found the exact title of Admission. <laughs> so, but I'm, there's probably both of them. So I could be wrong. Happy to point that out. Regardless, the point, nonetheless, is about how the fumbling of the words are stated, and th- this is the idea of what we're discussing about people that don't really understand what they're getting into, right? That they're. Like, I'm trying, who was the person we just talked about? Oh, dang it. I knew I'd blink on it. Somebody we just discussed who didn't seem to understand. Well, you know what? It, uh, here's another note, actually, on that same point. This is the same woman that we discussed around the CDC discussion, where they were saying, how do you know they're Delta? How do you know these cases are Delta? She said, because the CDC told us. Like, she like how, what a dumb question. And then it goes, yes, I know that. But how do they know that it is Delta? How, what's the problem? Because they told you. Like, she couldn't even wrap her mind around that you shouldn't just listen to what they tell you to say. Same point. Right. Anyway, just to address that in case I, that wasn't the important point, if I am incorrect in that. But going forward.
1: It's a tax. Uh, we would all expect expect it and be ready for it. So that's just, from, just uh, the pretext. Would one of those pretexts be uh, where Moscow might be planning to stage an incident in the re- rebel held areas to justify an attack to, on Ukraine from the east?
0: <laughs> God, of course. Like, that's just such a lazy question. And it's obviously going okay, what did you tell me to say? It's written in my hand. Oh, right. Oh, are they going to do the thing you want me to ask? Right. Okay. Clearly it's, that's exactly what they've already said. So it's really dumb question. Like you're just going, are they going to do what you've already said they're going to do? Basically. That's such an obvious lob to them to knock. Yep. That's exactly right. And they're going to do the whole point is that's what already happened this morning. So they're claiming this woman knows that the person asking the question is already going to be followed by somebody who brings up the kindergarten. They know this. So that's just a lazy question. That's a lob to the man, to the person asked, so she can discuss what she's going to discuss. If that is the case, prove it. If you actually have evidence that that might happen, give us the intelligence. But they don't do that because it's not the case. There's literally nothing that backs up that this might happen other than what they say might happen. Just to,
1: let me just give you some examples. So that false pretext could take a number of different forms of provocation in Donbass, a claim about NATO activity by land, at sea or
0: in- Okay, so basically she's saying, well, they could do attack over there and blame it on them. They could claim NATO did something. They could carry out a cyber attack. They could literally do anything. Wow. Quite a, a narrow view you got there. So anything to do at any time is going to be what we meant. <laughs> That's basically what she's saying. Whatever happens in- next is what we predicted. Is that fair? In the air,
1: an incursion into Russian territory. Uh, and so we, we are already seeing an increase in false claims uh, by the Russian in the past few days including reports of an unmarked rape of civilians
0: oh right so his claim of of human rights violations of the aggressively neo-nazi terrorist group that even your government calls out and worries about totally fake though right like so me my my, excuse me simultaneously we got newsweek and guardian going these guys are bad news even got democratic senators reaching out to biden like yesterday saying these guys are terrorists but when you point that they, that they might do terrorist things that you otherwise say you're worried they're already doing, fake news because Russia said it. You don't see how easily debunkable this is? This is pathetic. That's what she's talking about. She's talking about him claiming that the people in Ukraine are doing things to the people in Donbass. That's such an easy thing to prove. It makes my teeth hurt. Like, I'm like, it makes, me, it makes me frustrated that we have to even dive into this. And she's lying. I don't, my point, I don't think she knows she's lying.
1: Killed by the Ukrainian armed forces statements,
0: yeah. The Ukrainian armed forces, which are completely immersed with the white supremacist neo Nazi groups that we just showed you, but well, she's defending them right now.
1: Ukraine is, is committing genocide in eastern Ukraine? That the US and the Ukraine are developing biological or chemical weapons, and what the we- well, that's an interesting
0: claim, isn't it? Because you know what? I can easily prove that to you all around the world. I proved it during Trump's administration, it's still happening now. They've got multiple bio labs all over the world including in Georgia and all over. It's not hard to prove. And, it, and plenty of people in Ukraine, Belarus, Georgia have been openly speaking up about how people around these locations are getting riddled with all sorts of weird problems and being experimented on. Totally different topic, right? So, I mean, it, But again, this is not even remotely difficult to po- to point out. The US government is openly doing this. They just claim, oh, we're working on vaccines or whatever. You're lying about all these people that we can prove got hurt. I mean, just look up the Fort Detrick discussion. I'm not going to get off on this right now because I'm going to focus on Ukraine. But this is an easy thing to prove. When you have cancers exploding like a thousand times more than anywhere else right around these labs, let's pretend like it's totally coincidence. And it must be Russia faking that news too over in the United States, right?
1: The West is funneling in, in guerrillas to kill locals. Each of these allegations is categorically false.
0: That's also an interesting one. Funneling in guerrillas, sort of like they literally, provably did in Syria from Libya. Yeah, they're clearly doing that with the white supremacist threat, whether it's UK or Germany. We already told you all the mainstream articles have pointed this out. They've been flooding in from all around the world, from all sorts of countries that they're supporting and NATO allies. This is not an accident.
1: Uh, we've been very clear about this uh, and we should expect more false again, ex- reports from Russian state media over the coming days. And i seen this playbook before from Russia. Uh, Their previous military incursions into Ukraine and in Georgia. So,
0: again, this is we've seen this playbook from them before. So, their playbook is not doing anything but moving in their own country and you guys irrationally flailing about around them and then making things happen. This is ridiculous. The playbook is them claiming things are happening and not proving any of it over and over and over and over and over.
1: This is something that we are anticipating and that the president has talked about uh, to expect the potential. And the white can. So, I, mean, I just want to, I also want to lay out some stuff that we're doing today so that you guys, I think you guys saw the reporting that Secretary Blinken uh, will speak directly to the UN Council. Uh, this morning on his way to Munich about the gravity of the situation in Ukraine and signal <laughs> our intense commitment to diplomacy to offer and emphasize the path toward de-escalation and to make it clear to the world that we are doing everything we can to prevent war. <laughs> so Sean. the evidence on the ground is that Russia is moving toward an imminent invasion. This What's morning. the evidence?
0: Nobody has presented any evidence. The evidence on the ground? Show us the evidence on the ground. Give us even the smallest indication. You have even a fraction of evidence to suggest that there is some kind of a potential war or invasion. Moving troops in your own country does not constitute an incredible threat. That's what Biden tried or uh, Bolton tried to do with Iran, and it, it, it worked for them at the moment. But you got it's just like now, you can easily prove that this is complete bluster. This is nothing. This week,
1: the Russian government said that it would withdraw troops from the broader from the Ukraine border and they received from the UK broader of attention for that claim, but here and around the world and uh, but we know that is absolutely false. Uh, yes I mean I just you can
0: hear she is terrible at this. But it doesn't I don't even know why people don't call her on this. just her, her thought process is all weird and jumping around' is not even making sense. just ends in the middle of a sentence and jumps somewhere else. it's bad, bad.
1: You've heard us say from, from coming from our administration. In fact, we have now confirmed that in the last several days, Russia has increased its troops presence along the Ukraine border by as many as 7,000 troops. Oh, where'd you hear that? Oh,
0: that's right. The Ukrainian intelligence. Cool. Cool story. I'd love to see some proof at any point. Even some evidence would be cool.
1: With some arriving in the past 24 hours, this is cause of serious concerns. So, Cause Russia's of
0: serious concerns.
1: ...have also said in recent days that they are prepared to engage in diplomacy, as we and our allies have repeatedly offered. But every indication we we now know is they mean only to engage in uh, Potomkin diplomacy, where they publicly offer to talk and make com- claims about de-escalation while privately mobilizing for war.
0: Yeah, that is U.S. government 101. You can look at any location they're in right now, any location. That's exactly what continues to happen. Any, any analyst or, or foreign policy analyst, everybody knows this. It is not secret. Now you can claim it's different because Biden's in power, but it's not. This is accuse them of that which you are guilty. Now, does Russia do it too? 100%. 100%. But in this situation, all the evidence points in the exact opposite direction. That's right, because the only evidence we have shows you the exact opposite. Now, if there's evidence that shows you what they're saying, I'd love to see it. If you, if you believe them without seeing it, then you're an idiot. <laughs> Just blunt as possible. Now it goes to 23... Oh, I guess I'll finish. There's maybe one more point in here.
1: So we continue to receive indications that they could launch a false pretext, as I just mentioned. And so we just want to make sure that the...
0: Continue way- to receive indications is a point. That's coming from Ukraine. So they're happy to take a white supremacist government's word while they pretend to fight white supremacy. The
1: world is aware and knows that this is a possibility because it is indeed part of the Russian playbook.
4: U- Ukraine says that pro... Ukraine says that pro-Russian forces... Excuse us, yeah. Please hold. Kindergarten in Ukraine. Can the White House confirm that that is the case?
1: Say that one more time.
4: That pro-Russian forces have shelled a kindergarten in Ukraine, i.e attacked a kindergarten? Is that intelligence that the White House can confirm?
1: So I can, I cannot confirm that from here. That is something that the Department of Defense, We uh, should I refer you to them? I, I don't have that intel or information, and so I don't have anything here to okay. share.
4: In and in terms of the false flag uh, warnings that you said, do you have any sense of, uh, I mean, the president said the invasion could happen at any time. Do you have any uh, sense of, of Timing for these false flag operations.
1: So strange. Said that we are within the window of, <laughs> of, uh, of an invasion happening.
0: Within the window, don't you love that? Just undefined at every turn. We're within the window. How long is that window? As long as it takes. It's ongoing.
1: Which could be led by a pretext. Uh, we we don't. Have- which,
0: which could be led by a pretext, or it could not, or it could be everything, anything, all the time, anywhere. But you know. Just pay attention. We'll tell you when it happens.
1: I an exact timing for you, but we had said it could happen before, the, during the Olympics or after.
0: <laughs> right. It could happen after, before, maybe tomorrow, maybe the next year. You know, it could happen right now, tomorrow, the next day. You pick. Just roll a roll, you know, flip a coin. It'll happen then.
1: Which is why you heard from the president directly saying that it is a very high possibility. Just last on this topic, from me,
4: what what else is the White House doing or planning to do to prepare Americans for the possibility of a war in Ukraine?
0: Well, the- Why would that even affect Americans? Right, this is just such obvious propaganda. The reasons
1: that the president spoke the other day is to speak directly to the American public and to the world about what to expect and what what process and what what uh, process we were taking uh, in this in this crisis that Russia, remember, has created. Uh, so, yeah, don't
0: don't forget that Russia started by not moving outside of its country while we circle them and, and to hold drills alongside their border and ramp up all of our aggression and narrow, narrow uh, rhetoric. Excuse me. Right. Don't forget, though, they started it by not doing anything.
1: So he wanted to be direct. He wanted to lay down uh, what we've been doing for the last several months, the last several weeks. For the.
0: Oops, there was a big mistake right there. She just accidentally admitted this has been going on for months, and they don't want people to know that in general. They want want this to feel like an eminent situation that they just realize they're trying to inform you about. That's why they only started this at the beginning, except this has been going on since we showed you, you know, going back all the way to, where were we here? Oh, wrong spot. Uh, Right here. No, right here. There we go. Going on to August 5th when they kind of started poking Russians, and well, time to get back on that topic. And then they started holding drills on September 20th. Pretending like that doesn't count, that we don't we hold drills and cause you to get worried and nervous and that doesn't count, right? But when you do drills back, that's problem, right? So that's September 20th. They don't want you knowing that. That's the important thing to understand. Where are we? Oh uh, shoot, I just lost my place again. Oh, same right here. Okay. That they created it, right? So the point being, I think I just lost my I hate when I do that. Directly to the
1: American public and to the world about what to expect. And what process and what what process, what, what, uh, process we were taking uh, in this in this crisis that Russia, remember, has created. Uh, and so he wanted to be direct. He wanted to lay down uh, what we've been doing for the last several months, the last
0: several weeks. Yeah, that's what it was. Gosh, I hate when I do that. So the, the, the point is that they don't want you to know this goes back more than months. They want you to think this is a breaking situation they're responding to. But she, she respects, she corrected herself there. But it has been going on for months. I've shown you that. They go back months, leading into this, threat, claiming there was going to be an invasion months ago in 2021. How can you run from it? You say an imminent invasion for three months straight. That's why they don't want you to think about it. But see, she wasn't supposed to say that, and watch how she corrects herself.
1: To the American public and to the world about what to expect and what what process or what what uh, process we were taking uh, in this in this crisis that Russia, remember, has created. Uh, and so he wanted to be direct. He wanted to lay down uh, what we've been doing for the last several months, the last several weeks for the American public and talked about uh, the impact of this potential uh, if, if Russia decides to uh, invade, how this would impact the American public. And so that's one way that uh, the president uh, is communicating with the American public. But we have been very, very clear. The president has been very clear uh, for the last several months, last several weeks uh, uh, and being and being transparent about how we're moving forward with our European allies uh, and partners <laughs> in this moment and what we're trying to do to deter and how we're trying to get go to the direction of diplomacy. And so that is that is the, the bad. direction She's that bad we're still this. working on. Uh, hence why uh, Secretary Blinken is up in New York today hence and why. we continue to have uh, those
0: conversations. Great, right. right. Just fumbling around that, that was terrible. Right, And we've been very, very, they always like to say that. We're very clear on this thing that we keep repeating with no evidence. Very clear on it. Here's what you're supposed to think. That's what that's supposed to mean. So here we are at a situation where they're still proving literally nothing. Literally nothing. Ukraine, Russia-backed rebels trade accusations of shelling across the front. This was earlier today, 4 in the morning, where they're telling you that they were firing back and forth. Now, this is the separatist area. Right. The the separatist line and the Minsk agreements in regard to Russia, separatists and Ukraine and the firing between separatists and Ukraine. Now, Russian backed rebels and Ukrainian forces traded accusations today, this morning, that each had fired across the ceasefire line, which, by the way, happens all the time, raising alarm at, at, at a time when Western countries have warned of a possibility of a Russian invasion. So the only difference is that the U.S. has claimed things might happen. So don't, don't take, don't miss how the only difference in what's been going on for years is that the, this government started saying a lot of stuff. That's it. So they've been firing back and forth across the line. It causes little skirmishes, little problems. The difference is the U.S. goes, but, but, but right behind that, Russia might do something. Oh, now we're concerned. The details of the incidents could not be independently confirmed. Oh, cool. So we don't even know if it happened, but let's pretend like it did. And the initial report suggested they were on a similar scale, to ceasefire violations that have been common throughout eight year conflict. Okay, so nothing new happened. Another little thing that's been happening for eight years straight. Understand so far? But they come at a time of global concern. Why is that? Because of US rhetoric over a prospect of a wider war with more than 100,000 troops that we're told are there that nobody's proven. Moscow denies, of course, but we pretend they're lying, and that's just easy to observe by the US government is planning an invasion and has this week that it's, and said this week that they're pulling back troops. Though Western countries said that they're not convinced. Okay. Did they prove that? No. Did they prove that they were there first or they pulled them back? No. Did they proved that they're not, that they, you know, nothing is proven. And it's, I think it's pretty clear that if it's inside Russian's country, Russia country, that Russia's country, then it doesn't need the, again, the evidence, the, impot- the burden of proof, let's say, is on the, the U.S. government. If they're the ones making an entire claim out of nothing. The separatists accused government forces of opening fire on their territory four times in the past 24 hours. So here's the first part to understand. While Ukraine accused the rebels of firing shells, including some that struck a kindergarten, causing shell shock to two civilians. The idea, and you can look this up and it's discussed because the Russian media was pointing this out, the separatists were accusing them of doing this four different times in the past 24 hours. So if you want a starting point, recognize that the separatists were going, they're shelling us. And by the way, that's been happening more than once, and it's happened both ways. So I don't know why anybody would question that. So a Reuters photographer in the town of Kadivka in Ukraine's rebel-held uh, Luanks, region, which is interesting to me, heard the sound of some artillery fire from the direction of the line of contact, but was not even able to access the incident. So why is a Reuters journalist, who I would argue is clearly on one side of this, in the Donbass region instead of Ukraine? Now, I'm not going to say that necessarily, Craig, maybe he's right there to report on that side of the story. But what's interesting to me is that that concerns me about what might be happening in regard to a false flag. Let's not forget about how the CIA has been open about using journalists for these events. So it's weird that that person's there and just happened to not be able to prove any of this. And that's where the story ends. Kiev and its Western allies have repeatedly said a recent in recent weeks that they believe Moscow could use an incident in the separatist conflict as justification for an invasion. Okay, now the only way that would make sense in the context of a false flag is if within that conflict something happened to Russian entities or Russian locations. To argue that they would bomb Ukraine and then argue that that bombing that they conducted was justify reason to go into Ukraine it doesn't even make sense. But this is what they're trying to push in. Boris Johnson came hot out of the gate and said, this is the false flag. I know it. I don't think they understand what they're talking about. Or they lost. They clumsily said the wrong thing and it's too late to pull it back. You'll see what I mean as I flesh this out. It's really weird. They keep saying that they're going to use an incident, Right. Russia, for its part, has accused Kiev of trying to provoke an escalation to recapture rebel forces and rebel territory, which, by the way, Kiev is openly, openly trying to do. Okay, so when you have an incident where a kindergarten is bombed inside of Ukraine, and they go, "U.S., look what they did," that is an obvious potential false flag from Ukraine. You you could argue it wasn't that's not what happened, but how do you argue that logically makes sense? for Russia to use and point that as a justification for what they claim they want to do. It's ridiculous. In fact, it's actually laughable because it doesn't. In fact, oh, you you, show, so you, you look, look at what I just did. That's why we have to invade. That's essentially what they're saying. A diplomatic source said a longstanding monitoring mission from the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe had recorded multiple shelling incidents along the line of contact, which which implies that they both fired. Since 2015, the OSCE has typically reported dozens of ceasefire violations every day. Don't miss that. Since 2015, there's been exactly this kind of thing happening dozens of times every day for years. Again, the only thing that's different is the U.S. says it's more important right now. How is that not the most obvious thing in the world? And then, of course, what they claim happened after this, which is the kindergarten, the self-proclaimed Luwak uh, People's Republic or Donbass region, one of the two rebel regions, said Ukrainian forces used mortars, grenade launchers, and a machine gun in four separate incidents on Thursday, which, by the way, exactly matches what the U.S. government has, oh, has provably armed them with. Doesn't mean they had to use them, but it's interesting correlation. Now, you have the Donbass region saying they use these things on us. Could they be lying? Of course they could. Quote, armed forces of Ukraine have crudely violated the ceasefire regime using heavy weapons, which according to the Minsk agreements, should be withdrawn. Well, that's exactly what the mainstream even reported that they did in fact have these heavy weapons on the line. So this is not even a hard thing to miss. The point is that the government of the United States and others don't care that the Ukraine government is violating it, just like they don't care that Saudi Arabia violates it. They don't care about the agreements. They only care about getting what they want, which is the separatist area gone and in Ukraine's control and Russia out of the picture. Just like they want the Yemeni areas and the Houthis gone and Saudi Arabia to take it. They lie and don't care. If you don't see this by now, you're a child. Armed forces of Ukraine have crudely violated the ceasefire, they claim. And it's obvious that they haven't been doing so from the beginning. Now, am I pretending that they haven't also violated from Russia's side? No, it wouldn't surprise me at all. But I'd love to see the evidence of that happening first. Not to suggest it wouldn't, but I'm suggesting that we have not been presented with the evidence to prove that. Referring to the rebels, Ukraine's military said, quote, with particular cynicism, the Russian occupation troops shelled the village of Stanyasta uh, links. I'll, I'll show it to you in a second, in the Luang's region. As a result of the use of heavy artillery weapons by terrorists, shells hit the kindergarten building. According to preliminary data, two civilians received shell shock. Now, how it makes sense, first of all, that these people were successfully removed if they were shelled? I mean, maybe if they heard shelling happen ahead of time, it just, the story doesn't add up to me. I don't, I, I, I believe based on all the evidence in front of us that this looks like a false flag carried out by the U S government and Ukraine. Now it's not going to surprise the people that want to frame me as pro Russia or whatever else, which is clearly not what I am, but we can clearly see these things. They just don't like that. We can point to things that they don't think are proven. That's all that's happening. Meanwhile, pointing to narrative for the people that they want to blindly trust. They somewhere in their brain, they realize how dumb that is. Now we're watching this break, to happen, where everything in front of you justifies what the US government's trying to accomplish. Everything. It justifies everything and, and drives in everything that the Ukrainian government wants to accomplish. And in no way whatsoever does this action give any benefit to Russia. At all. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. But Russia, especially Putin, has shown himself to be a, a quite a... There's always a word that I keep wanting to say that I forget, it escapes my mind. He's just a very intelligent politician. And he's proven himself that by not responding irrationally like we've seen our government do over and over and over. doesn't mean he's a good guy. just means simply that he's outplaying these people. And here we are with a situation where I think they clumsily tried to do this and it's blowing up in their face. Now, here is the evening standard on a way back machine before they changed the headline. Ukraine crisis, kindergarten hit by pro-Russian forces as Liz Truss accuses Moscow of blatant false flag operation bid. So first of all, without any question, taking this at face value, quest blindly, and where is it coming from? White supremacist neo-Nazi groups on the ground—that's a fact. Now, the foreign secretary accused Russia of blatant attempt to fabricate pretext for invasion. Now, think about this: How does? The bombing of a kindergarten in Ukraine by the separatist forces, by, from the, they claim are backed by Russia, which are, you know, are Russian, are Russia. How does that in any way become the blatant attempt to fabricate pretext for invasion? That's the exact opposite. This gives the US government the pretext to do more, to start to, to push in and push back. The only way this would make sense, in, and this is how I think ignorant these people are, maybe they don't even really understand what a false flag is, The only way this would make sense is if they were bombing something that was Russian and or troops of theirs or something like that that Russia could then point at and say, Look what they just did. Now we have to push in. Or in reverse, if Ukraine bombs something in Russia and they said, Look, they just did this. Now here's where this gets interesting. That's happening. We, as I showed you in the beginning, we have these clips that are no seem like have no engagement, which is weird to me, that are claiming pro-Russian forces, Russian special forces claim that Ukrainian armies targeted a kindergarten in the city, in the separatist area. Now this might've been the beginning of what was a clumsy false flag that fell apart. Oops. Oh, tell me I didn't lose that. Okay, good. Because I haven't seen this anywhere else. This does not seem to be connected to any sort of big thing. And it just fell flat. this I, I don't see anybody in the separatist group or Russia or anybody else claiming that this, I mean, this, all we can see happening is that this is there's nothing to back up what's ultimately playing out here, but we'll get to it in a second. Now, this says, well, first of all, this is a, a a picture of this location. that says the handout photo was released by who? The Ukrainian Joint Forces Operation. Shows a a view of the kindergarten building after alleged shelling of separatist forces. So this is a location they're saying is in Ukraine, and it was re- released by the Ukrainian government. So I don't know why in the world we would take the word of these white supremacist neo-Nazis as they pretend that they're the people that are creating all the fake news and misinformation all around our country. Sure makes sense, doesn't it? They'd love to trust these people. So really it comes down to the question, are you going to trust the Russian government, or are you going to trust white supremacist neo-Nazis? Apparently your government is more willing to trust white supremacist neo-Nazis. That's right on his face, right here. Before we go to the real live version, it says, a children's nursery has allegedly been struck by pro-Russian forces in eastern Ukraine, raising fears among Western powers that Moscow is plotting a false flag attack. How? How in the world does one thing even lead to the other? So you don't know for sure. The Ukrainian government is saying they just did this. So, okay, then the report becomes Ukrainian government is saying pro-Russian forces, not even Russia, but pro-Russian forces did this. Raising fears that Russia is plotting a false flag to invade. You see, they're not even connected. Why would Russian forces attacking Ukraine lead to them worrying about a false flag to create an agenda? That's stupid. They're counterintuitive. They don't understand what false flag means, I guess. Kiev released images on Thursday of a badly damaged building with children's toys in the floor, surrounded by debris, following the alleged shelling of separatist forces of this area, we'll point out. A second in eastern Ukraine. Interesting that it's eastern Ukraine, exactly where there are a lot of obvious examples of some pretty serious war crimes. But now it becomes, look at what they just did in that area. Now we can go, look what they just did there. Oh, that big area where those de- all those dead bodies, that's because of their bombing and stuff. Just like what happened, just exactly what happened in Syria, in fact. Tweeting shortly after landing in Kiev, mistrust in, in the UK, quote, very concerned about reports today of increased Russian aggression that you didn't even care to prove. Right, so Ukraine says it's happening, and you run to Twitter and say, we're concerned about this thing that I've never even taken moments to vet. Because it goes along with their narrative. She says, oh, over 7,000 more troops instead. After they bombed this gar- kindergarten. Nobody proved the 7,000 troops. Nobody proved that they were involved in this. Or that it in fact even happened. Even the, that you just heard the representative of the US government stand there and say, we can't even prove this. And yet the media blindly reports it without any any question. The the UK, uh, UK foreign security. Foreign security, the U.K.'s foreign security, what, agent? I don't know. (laughs) Happily just screams it out on Twitter. Now it says the U.K. calls on Russia to withdraw its troops. Are you serious? So don't miss the absurdity of the U.K. asking Russia to move its troops in its own country. Right now, the U.K. is pretending it has the ability to dictate where Russia can put its own troops within its own country. Now, if you put troops too close to the border in your country, you're the provocator. That's how dumb this is. Like, this is really bad. The only people that are playing along with this are people that have a vested interest in this narrative. In a later tweet, he said, quote, reports of alleged abnormal military activity in Ukraine, in Donbass, are a blatant attempt by the Russian government to fabricate pretext for invasion." Now, here's the only way you could argue this would make sense if that attack and their un- abnormal military activity didn't end up bombing their own kindergarten. Either Ukrainians don't understand what a false flag is supposed to be and they messed that up, or you're just bl- pointing at military movement and saying that that's enough. That Russia is making up abnormal activity and not even pointing at anything specific, and that's going to be a justification for invasion. Like They're either, again, just horribly bad at this, or I, I I can't even really wrap my mind around what they think they're trying to accomplish with such a clumsy narrative. And apparently that's just straight out of the Kremlin playbook. What exactly? I mean, like, think about what the, I mean, the lack of movement, I don't even know how to pretend to make fun of that. What's not happening is straight out of the Kremlin playbook. I mean, this is just bad. No casualties have been reported. So first of all, recognize this kindergarten thing resulted in no casualties, which is good. It comes at as NATO's secretary general warned that Russia is attempting a false flag. So now NATO's doing it. The UN's doing it. Don't Don't miss as we go through that. Every article says the same thing over and over. Don't forget that they might engage in a false flag operation. Where are you getting this from? NATO, the UN, every media apparatus in the world seemingly just blindly reporting what the US says is happening without proving it. Look at how crazy that is. Not to say that it's not something we can discuss, but that's how far this goes just because the U.S. says, I see it, but I can't prove it? That's crazy. We are concerned that Russia is trying to stage a pretext for an armed attack against Ukraine. We know that there are many Russian intelligence officers operating in Ukraine. Okay, so prove that. Prove it. Show me evidence of Russian. I I don't even doubt that for a second. But we need to start recognizing how easy it is for them to just float things about Russia, anything, and everybody takes it at face value because that's the easy thing to do, right? If your career is at your vested interest in going along with this, you don't care if it's true. The moment the narrative thing comes out that you know you're supposed to agree with, you jump on it. Well, we know that there's plenty of this. Why? Because U.S. said so. They are President Donbass, and we have seen attempts to stage pretext false flag operations to provide excuse for invading Ukraine. You've seen attempts that you stopped? No. So what do they do? Just they trip over their shoelaces and didn't do it that day? Right. This is really bad. What we have seen is constant efforts and actually executed efforts of false flags in Syria, in Iraq, in Ukraine, or excuse me, well, yeah, in, actually in Ukraine. But I was going to say in Bolivia or Venezuela. We've watched them get caught doing it. But yeah, let's continue to point to things we can't prove and act like that's enough to turn the world on its ear. Moscow denies Western accusations. Of course, in the mainstream, it's like, of course he does, because of course he does. Russia, liars. Great journalism, guys. How about we actually look into it and say, maybe they are lying about it. Maybe your government is lying, like WMDs or every other thing we've ever been told by their government. Western countries have repeatedly accused Russia of planning either to incite or stage an incident in rebel-held areas to justify an attack. That's my point. So that lady stands up and goes, do you think they might be maybe staging something in the rebel-held areas to justify an attack? Go ahead. Oh, you mean the thing they've said re- on repeat for three weeks straight? Maybe ask that again. Go ahead. Great job, mainstream media. Moscow, for its part, has accused Kiev of planning to escalate to try to recapture territory by force. Okay. So what makes sense that Kiev is clearly stating that they want this and they want the territory and it's theirs and it's their own sovereignty and that Russia's bad and they shouldn't be there and that the U.S. should take action and that the U.S. government clearly thinks the same and is clearly enemies with Russia and that they would create this all to justify their actions they clearly stated they want or that Russia would literally have this this nebulous action going on that we can't see and all it looks like is standing still in their own country or moving close to the border as they justify the action based on what the other people are doing. And all of it's an illusion and you can't see it, but they're carrying out all sorts of manipulations. Right. Prove any of it. What we can see on their side is that every single action being taken is wildly beneficial to the US government at the very least, but obviously to Ukraine that is going along with the agenda. Every single thing that they're pointing at, every one of them is counterintuitive to Russian agendas, to Russian policy in every possible way. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily they don't have eyes to take Ukraine. Let's just say that's the case. If you know anything about the way they conducted themselves, just especially since the, let's just say, the year 2000 forward, this is not how Russia conducts itself. And it's made that clear. It's far better at this than it seems the U.S. government is. Now, here's where it went to after that, where I just simply switched this aggressively and said, well, Boris Johnson accuses it of false flag. This is where it gets kind of ridiculous. The prime minister claimed the attack was a false flag operation designed to discredit the Ukrainians. I just don't see how that even remotely remotely makes sense. A children's nursery has allegedly been struck by pro-Russian forces in eastern Ukraine. So they're claiming that it's been struck by pro-Russian forces. So whether that was Russia itself or pro-Russian forces, it's a building in Ukraine. Raising fears that Moscow is plotting a false flag. So he just said it is the false flag. But now we're talking about that raises fears of the plotting another false flag. It It just doesn't matter. None of this actually makes sense or even remotely adds up. Square peg, round hole. This is ridiculous. Kiev released images on Thursday of this location. Prime Minister Boris Johnson has claimed that this is the false flag. So how exactly does Russia attacking a kindergarten in Ukraine discredit Ukrainians? Like here's the point. If this was the case, Russia would be saying that they attacked the building themselves. I haven't seen that. And they're not what they're saying is it was the pro the 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 Separatist forces. It says, we fear very much that this is a thing we will see more of over the next few days. What? Talk about opaque. This thing that we haven't defined, that we're claiming is possibly a false flag, that might just be action. We're going to see more of that totally undefined thing I just pointed at over the next few days. UK Foreign Secretary Liz Truss said she was very concerned. About what? Something you haven't even proven? Tweeting shortly, and I think this gets into the same stuff. Now, it shows you this tweet. It says down here, reason to believe that Russia is engaged in false flag operations, repeating over and over and over and over. NATO, everybody. But now we go to the tweet that are claiming the opposite. And you can see the video. Now... I'm not good at telling the difference between Ukrainian and Russian. So maybe somebody can hear this and tell me the difference. Now, that wouldn't even mean that they couldn't just put Russian speaking behind it. But the point is, this is obviously the same room. You can see the painting, you see the hole in the wall, everything. Now, the only picture I get right there of a soldier is right there. Now, if I'm being honest, what that looks like to me is exactly what a NATO-style military personnel person would look like. Exactly. Almost to everything. Now, that's not, in my opinion, what we've seen the separatists look like, or Russia. So here we have an, an exact video of this building, of this location, which, with what I think looks like what are probably Ukrainian forces we just told you in that previous article have been fitted to look just like NATO forces. That's my opinion. Now, either way, this is confusing, right? Because this is claiming this weird account that seems to have not a big following, that has only a little bit of engagement, claiming this video showing, and weirdly, the only one we could find, that it's actually the reverse. That this is, Ukraine. Ukrainians claiming Russians have targeted the kindergarten, but the, Ukrainian, the Russian specialist forces, excuse me, Russian separatists, are claiming that this is Ukrainian army targeting their kindergarten. But here's the problem with that. We can see, at least in this article, and here's the problem is that I can't vet what these are, what these other uh, Russian independent, quasi-independent groups are saying, for Ukraine, or, this, or Ukrainian. Occupiers fired at this sten, Stia Luhanska, I'm probably tearing that up, they ended up in the kindergarten. You can see the picture. What it's talking about here is the, the preliminary, it says the, the there are preliminary victims among adults. They've also reported at the time of shelling that there were children in the kindergarten, but they got them out of the way. And what they're saying is this is fired by the occupiers. It says the pr- the press center at the JFO headquarters confirmed that this location had been shelled, a kindergarten, the JFO. They noted that o- official information will soon appear on the Facebook page, but it says according to the preliminary data, two civilians were shell-shocked, the official statement says. Now, this is reporting from the Daily Beast, blindly taking the, na- the side of the Ukrainian and U.S. governments, saying that pro-Russian forces did this to the kindergarten. But that does not seem clear to me. Prime, and this Prime uh, Minister Boris Johnson called the attack a false flag, like we keep pointing out in every article they want to point out, But that does not make sense even remotely. So my point here is: right now, we do what we have now is the, the acclaim of a kindergarten. At least whole, a video of this. Here's the location itself. This is the area in general, and as far as I can tell, there are two kindergartens in this area, and that's these two right here, and this is the one we're talking about. And you can see, oops. Oh, shoot. I just lost the picture. There it is. And you can clearly see this is the same room, right? The same wallpaper, same balls, same everything. So this is clearly the location we're talking about. Now, I'd love to hear from somebody that can verify whether this building, in fact, does look like this. That would be interesting to find out. Or if it's been like that for a long time, would be another interesting thing to find out. Either way, what's amazing to me is this is not what you're getting from the mainstream corporate media. What you get from them is blind repetition from what the media or what the government tells them to report the opposite of what actual journalism should be. So what I'm finally seeing here is that this is a clear false flag that has been bungled by the U S government. That's what I think has happened based on everything we see in front of us, but I don't think that's even fully been fleshed out yet. That's my opinion. Why I think that so clearly is because all of the evidence points one way, all of it, including how obviously bad they seem to be at this in past events. Because none of this makes sense from the side of the Russian government or the separatists. This, in fact, gives the opportunity for the U.S. government and Ukraine to take action against them. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, by the way, and here's the building, I think, from the front. But I'd love to hear more from people that want to check this out and look further into it. I genuinely think this might have been the the effort to frame it the way that would have worked for a false flag, right? Because if this comes out this way, you could argue that this was them trying to create the false flag. I think that might have been how this was supposed to go. And it just got dropped because it didn't work. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe it'll build. But again, here's the independent. Boris Johnson says kindergarten attack is the false flag. Maybe he didn't get the memo. Maybe he doesn't understand what a false flag is. Well, here is the Dunks Republic opens retaliatory fire in response to the Ukrainian army's bombardments. Here's what they say is happening. You know, this. is not that you could trust one more or the other. But just like they never do on the mainstream corporate press, let's show you what the other side of the story is, is said. Now, I would, I would argue both of them are probably riddled with half-truths. This is the uh, from TASS, news ag- r- Russian News Agency. The forces of the self-proclaimed Donetsk Republic, the D- DPR, had to open retaliatory fire to suppress the Ukrainian army's weapons and protect civilians, spokesman for the DPR People's Militia said. Now, remember, there's r- clear evidence that this was something that they were at least x- reporting. For the past 24 hours, multiple violations of ceasefire that the, nobody seemed to care about. They could have lied about that, but that's that's a good list of track records showing you they were saying they're firing on us. They're firing on us until they fired back. In order to protect civilians, our defenders had to open retaliatory fire to suppress the enemy's weapons, said the, Don, the Donk's people. The data on civilians wounded and civil infrastructure facilities damaged in the bombardments are being specified, which is interesting to me. Here's the Russian news agency not coming over the top and saying this is the there's the kindergarten here. They're going there are some buildings and facilities, but we're doing our due diligence. Just hard to miss that that doesn't seem like the kind of thing they paint them as. In fact, it seems like doing due diligence, but maybe that's they're doing the right thing because they're playing the game. <laughs> is that funny? It's like Russia uh, manipulating our election by telling you the truth. Sort of dumb like that, right? The ceasefire breaches were promptly brought to the notice of the Ukrainian side's representatives in a joint ceasefire control and coordination center, the JCCC, JCCC, I believe. We just talked about this. The other group that was also saying that they saw the same thing, not what the U.S. government's reporting, in order to take measures against the offenders and rule out the instances of, of falsifying and registered data on ceasefire violations by the Ukrainian military quote, we call on international observers and the leadership of the OSCE to register yet another fact of the gross violation of the ceasefire by the Ukrainian side that is purposefully provoking the resumption of hostilities in Donbass, because they want that. And they've openly said that. And don't forget, they're an openly neo-Nazi white supremacist government and group that your government is supporting. I don't know why that's not the most relevant point in this. Now here's Sputnik telling you the militia of the, the, uh, Luke's, uh, People's Republic, part of Donbass, stated that the situation in the region has deteriorated, deteriorated significantly over the past day as Kiev and is trying to escalate the conflict. So now you've got both locations speaking up about this right now. Now, you could argue they're both being controlled by the Russian government. Fine. Prove it. I'd love to see evidence. The Republic urged international observers to record the attack and take measures to prevent aggression by Ukraine. Now, just to quickly give you a counterpoint for those going, well, you want to prove one side. Well, how about you tune in at the beginning of the show where we just went over proving, in my opinion, very clearly with the evidence and the history that Ukraine is completely controlled by the US government. It's undeniable. So that's the point. One side is clear. Now, if you're going to pretend these are, are groups are do it, then do the same thing I just did. Now prove it. Not just what they say or what you claim or that they have connections, prove that they're actually being overthrown, regime change efforts and documentation. That won't happen. Earlier in the the day, the Ukrainian military fired mortar shells and grenades at four locations or localities in the self-proclaimed Donbass region, according to the Joint Center for Control and Coordination. Ukraine's armed units grossly violated the ceasefire regime using weapons that, in accordance with the Minsk agreements, should be withdrawn. But they're not. So it's it's ongoing. It's it's just like with Saudi Arabia and everything else. Here's the Express reporting the same thing. According to the Joint Center for Control and Coordination, the attack happened in the early hours of, of Thursday morning. An officer of the LPR to the, L, the JCCC slammed the attack, claiming that it violated the Minsk Agreement, that it has led to an uneasy on-off ceasefire between Ukraine and the LPR. He said, quote, Ukraine's army units grossly violated the ceasefire regime using weapons that in accordance with the Minsk Agreement should be withdrawn. Here is, of course, Russia saying they've not, they've not only already pulled some back, they've pulled more back now. But of course, the US government's going to say fake news. It's the opposite without any evidence to back it up. Now, again, I argue in this context, I don't know why in the world Russia would need to prove its own movements within its own country. That is ridiculous. And you know that, though. But here's what's interesting, too. It says, after previously announcing withdrawals earlier this week, the United States, NATO, and Ukraine have all seen, said they've seen no evidence. Oh, cool. So a group on the other side of the argument says they don't see evidence. This is like taking one side. You have two people in an argument, both of them have a side. Both of them have an agenda, and you only choose to take one side of their, you know, at face value. Oh, that side says they're lying, so we're going to agree with that side. That's what's happening. And that's childish. Moscow says, quote, it could drag this out much longer in a brazen, oh no, this is what they're saying. Kiev is saying, Moscow, quote, could drag this out much longer in a brazen ploy to spend weeks more, if not months, subverting Ukraine and challenging Western unity. Okay, so that's them saying, well, I know we keep yelling it's going to happen tomorrow, but it might not happen until weeks later, months later, in an effort to slowly keep doing the thing they're not doing that we keep saying they're doing. I can't even believe this is where we are. Now, look, even if you think it's happening, you have to admit how stupid that is. So is it going to happen tomorrow? Was it supposed to happen last week? Now it might not happen. Now they, in a, in a brazen display, may do nothing for weeks. How is that a brazen ploy? <laughs> this is just bad. Horrible. It's just embarrassing, and I keep saying that, but it really is. And here, now we're back at square one. Biden says, very high risk of Russian invasion in the next several days. Cool. Or next week or next, or a month from now. And if they don't do it for a month, it's because they're taking advantage of our ploy to do nothing and take advantage. And finally, evidence suggests Russian invasion of Ukraine is still eminent, says U.S. So they miss a mark, and they go, but it's still eminent, though. It's still eminent. Do they know what eminent means? I don't think they know what eminent means. Well, he also says, early stages of Russian-Ukraine invasion are unfolding now, Blinken tells the UN. Okay, so a moment ago they said, it might, it's not happening yet. It's imminent. It might happen still. Right? That's what Biden is saying. That's what everyone is saying. It's It might happen soon, in the next several days. But at the same exact time, Blinken says, it's already happening. It makes sense of that. It's unfolding now. Okay, Where? So if it's unfolding, you're implying they're invading. Because you're saying the invasion is unfolding. Now, by unfolding, are you meaning moving troops in their own country? Maybe that should be explained a little better, right? As it says, they warned the members of the United Nations Security Council Thursday, and this is just him using, you know, blustering rhetoric to get people involved, of an unfolding Ukraine invasion by Russia after Moscow bolstered its forces along the border which means in their own country. So they move troops forward, which by the way, they're saying they didn't even do, which I don't. I wouldn't surprise me if they did, but they're claiming they didn't. The US isn't proving they did, but they just keep saying they did. And they go, but they move troops to the border of their own country. And why do they do that? Well, if you want to go back to the beginning, as we said, they clearly did so in response to what the US government was already doing right along its borders or all of the other bases they have literally surrounding the country, right? Very, very clear. And then you could also point to the fact that they've, since then, moved more troops, 3,000 troops over here, ready getting ready to go into to Denmark and Poland. And yeah, but that doesn't count, though, because we're freedom stuff and stuff, freedom, right? But that doesn't count. So when Moscow responds to that, they're taking proactive action. Or no, uh, you know, inflammatory action. Proactive is actually a good word, but the point is they're taking action. It's not response, it's action. They're the ones doing contentious things, and now we need to respond. Anybody can see that that's dishonest. Describing the crisis as the most immediate threat to peace and security and called on the global body to address the situation. He's describing Russian movement in Russia after they moved up to their country as the most immediate threat to peace and security. This just gets dumber and dumber. Quote, the stakes go far beyond Ukraine. He says, Russian moving in their own country goes way beyond Ukraine. This is a moment of peril for the lives and safety of millions of people as well as the foundation of the United Nations Charter and the rules-based international order of preserved stability worldwide, he said. He stood up and it was Syria. You could just hear that, right? Oh, it's everywhere. They're moving in their own country. That is not, I mean, that guy is a, if that, this, this guy is an actor. If that's the statement he gave, which he did, A moment of peril for the world and everything when they're responding in their own country. How can you actually frame this as a worldwide threat and a threat to the United Nations as an entity? Because you claim Russia's moving to their border, their own border, and haven't proven it. Why are these people still controlling things? Why are these people still involved? Because they are the problem. The UN... The World Economic Forum, all of it, guys. They are literally running all of this. And and whether you have people in the UN that push back, they don't matter. Everyone can see how dumb this is. It doesn't matter. Unless we do something about it. He says, he pointed to new intelligence, even though they haven't shown you the old intelligence, which wasn't anything but their narrative, showing that Russia is apparently sending more troops. Aircraft ships in the re- to, to the region. Oh, you mean Russia? Yeah, exactly. As it prepares to launch an attack that they keep saying with nothing to back it up and Russia says isn't happening. This makes my head hurt. The region is Russia. They're in their own country and you are surrounding them and framing their response as an attack. In fact, it is unfolding right now, he says. Today, as Russia takes steps down the path to war and reissued the threat of military action. Now suddenly, Russia has threatened military action. That's them not. That's them refusing to say that they won't possibly do that. In fact, just not overtly saying they won't. That's issued a threat of action. This is the way the military, or the government of the U.S. frames these things. This is how dumb they think you are. And by the way, that's not to suggest that Russia isn't doing all of that. You see what I'm saying? I don't believe it is. But even if it is, you have to see how willfully dishonest these people are. And this, guys, is being used to control everything. Finally, as Russia amasses troops, don't forget she told you it could take forms of whatever they wanted to, the Ukraine suddenly battles another threat. Digital warfare. And there's your crossover. A new wave of cyber operations began in earnest on January 13th, when computers in Ukraine started showing signs of first serious hacking campaigns since Russia's troop buildup meaning they've been happening before that, but we didn't talk about it then. So now, but now it's all in the same context. Can you prove it was Russia? No. Maybe it's Israel. No, quiet about that. It's probably Russia because we want it to be Russia. Well, don't forget that the US government has already been very clearly exposed for having weapons like this that can be used to make it look like anyone they want in the world. But will we factor that in? Of course not. We won't even bring that in the article. We'll just pretend that it is Russia because Russia doesn't like Ukraine. And since it's happening in Ukraine, therefore it must be Russia. Great journalism, guys. Read it for yourself. This is a new threat that crosses over with the digital identification, digital warfare, digital security, and passports and everything else you want to conflate into the conversation that is clearly being used. On top of the fact that the white supremacist war they're waging against this country or every country right now that are going along with the narrative, in fact, is being created in the other countries right now that they're pretending they're fighting. Right now, this is the group that they're working with that we've shown you many times. They're fomenting them. They're growing them. They're arming them. Meanwhile, saying they're dangerous and then pretending they're fighting it in your countries. There's something happening with this. And this is going to cross over into the larger narrative. But as we spent three hours today breaking this down a lot longer than I wanted to, which I have to maybe say I might not get to the COVID show today, unfortunately. I I was really gung ho about it the moment ago, but it's getting late for me. There's a lot of work that goes into what I'm going to have to do, but I promise to have a larger one coming up soon. This is important to me because of how it connects to COVID-19 and how it connects to the larger agenda and how this is so obviously one of the most ridiculous PSYOPs I've ever seen in my life. It's very clear. And my hope is that you guys begin to see it as well and begin to recognize that there's something bigger happening. It's not just Ukraine. I truly believe the entire idea of kinetic war is sort of naive today. I don't even think that's what's in the cards, not that it can not happen, but that there's so much more that could happen. And the idea of boots on the ground narratives are all just theater for people like the average person to think that's what's really going on. It's not. And we need to see that. This is a bigger game of chess being played, not 4D chess, just basic chess. And they're really bad at it. And it's time to recognize how they are clumsily knocking pieces over right now. And until you look at it, until you call it out, they're going to keep going until they flip the damn board over. And that's, the, where, that's where they're going with COVID and everything else. Please spread this with everybody. You know, get this information out there. I'm sure this will be clipped up and shared out, and we need to get the information to people to see not only the reality of how this started, the reality of Crimea, the reality of the separatists and how they've been framing it, but how this has been used to you, you know, clumsily to jam this in to make Russia look like they're carrying out a false flag, and yet somehow attacking a school in Ukraine, and that's their false flag effort to justify invading Ukraine. This is how bad they've gotten at this, and it's time to recognize that they I've lost control of this and they're not going to stop though. Just like with COVID help me fight back. I love you all as always question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.
2: We annually spend on military security alone more than the net income of all United States corporation corporations. Now this conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience, the total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. We recognize the imperative need for this development, yet we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. Our toil, resources, and livelihood are all involved. So is the very structure of our society. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals, so that security and liberty may prosper together. As we peer into society's future, we, you and I, and our government, must avoid the impulse to live only for today plundering for our own ease and convenience the precious resources of tomorrow. We cannot mortgage the material assets of our grandchildren without risking the loss also of their political and spiritual heritage. We want democracy to survive for all generations to come, not to become the insolvent phantom of tomorrow.